Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to season six of the Referendum Podcast, brought to you by FinFlamSports.com with your host Big John and lead analyst Jesse J. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host Big John, brought to you by FinFlamSports.com, and this is the Referendum with lead analyst Jesse J. Jesse, how you doing? Good. How about you? Pretty good. I hope your Halloween was good. It's almost midnight, almost November first, going to another month. But uh, how was your Halloween? Uh, overall, very good Halloween. Good, good, good. Same here, somewhat. Uh, no trick-or-treaters, but that's okay. I would have eaten their candy anyways. Um, well, let's get to the show. What was um, some of the biggest news of the past few days from week eight? So we're going to go over a few headlines. And the first, and I think the biggest, is Kirk Cousins with his torn Achilles. Uh, it was confirmed he tore his Achilles against the Green Bay Packers. Big loss for the Vikings. They really were a team that seemed like they were ascending and Kirk Cousins was playing some of the best football of his career. He gets injured. This leads to them trading for Joshua Dobbs to possibly be the starter. Uh, this week, it looks like they're going to start Jaron Hall. They drafted him out of BYU in the NFL draft. He's an interesting player. He's got some good traits, maybe not the strongest arm, but yeah, it's definitely a downgrade when you think about Minnesota. They, they really were surging, and then Kirk Cousins tears his Achilles. Yes, Next, it, we're gonna... it, real quick, it's definitely a huge, huge loss because Kirk Cousins, like you said, was playing some of the best football of his career. But not only that, he was an MVP candidate to me. Oh, yeah, no, he, he was surging. And if you look at their schedule, they easily could have finished around 12-5, and five, which it doesn't sound like a lot, but considering where the Vikings were and how quarterback play in general has been this season, he would have been firmly in – the MVP conversation. He's he was pacing for five thousand yards and around thirty five to forty touchdowns. He was definitely going to be an MVP candidate. So even with so the, the the Vikings record is four and four right now. Is he to blame for their losses as much as we're supposed to give him credit for the wins? So I think yeah, the one that kind of jumps out at you is the well. There's two. There's two games. There was the game versus the Buccaneers and then the game versus. The say are the Los Angeles Chargers, where they they have the ball late in the game, mm-hmm. and against the Bucks they're not able to score a touchdown, and against the Chargers he throws a pick at the goal line. 
So yeah, they easily could be six and two, but they had a couple plays that didn't go their way, and they end up losing those games. Overall, though, I think the bigger issue has been the defense for them. But yeah, Kirk Kirk has had his issues at times this season, but I think overall he's been a net positive. Absolutely, I mean that that's a great, that's a fair point. Next, we're gonna go to Kendrick Bourne, who uh, was a receiver for the Patriots. He tore his ACL. He was having a really nice season. He's a guy who's played for the 49ers in the past. This was a tough injury because I think he probably would have been traded at the trade deadline, but tears his ACL after having a pretty nice start to the season. Really, really kind of got a feel for him because it, it looked like he was going to be moved to a team that was a contender, and now he's out for the year. Where do you think he would have went? It's interesting to say, but he's not a guy who's seen as maybe a number one receiver, so I think he probably would have been available for like a fifth-round pick. I actually think he probably would have been the one of the few receivers traded. Uh, to me, he's kind of in that Donovan Peoples-Jones range, maybe a little bit better than that. Mm-hmm. I think he would have went to another contender. I don't know who in particular, but I think given his contract and age and what you would have had to give up, I think he would have been moved. Well, it's definitely heartbreaking to hear all these all these players have um, injuries and you know they're just trying to they want to build a legacy, but it's very hard when you're either your body breaks down because of itself or it's because of an accident that just so happens to to st- stunt your progress in the league. Yeah, I mean, it was a tough break for him because he he went. He's playing for the Patriots, one of the worst teams in the AFC right now, and he was possibly going to be traded to a contender. It's just that that's got to be a tough break when he's he was really having a really nice first half of the season. We then go to Montez Sweat, who was traded for a second round pick to the Bears from the Washington Commanders. This one is basically a sign the Commanders are going to blow everything up on defense. It would not shock me if in a couple weeks' time Ron Rivera is fired along with Jack Del Rio. This, is this, along with just getting into it, the other trade, which was Chase Young being traded to the 49ers for a third-round pick. These two moves signal that the, Washington, that the Washington Commanders are going to probably move on from Ron Rivera in the next couple weeks. Yep. And the reason you trade those two guys is because you're looking to get assets for whoever is going to be the next head coach and probably GM of the Washington Commanders. All I can say to that is it's about fucking time, but a little too late. We then go to Leonard Williams, who's a defensive tackle, who was traded to Seattle. I like this move. I like this move for Seattle because they really need pass rush. They just signed Frank Clark, a veteran pass rusher, who has had a lot of production in the playoffs. They trade for Leonard Williams, who's a really good interior pass rusher. I, I think this was a strong move for them. This is a team that is going to keep at. They're probably going to keep looking for veteran pass rushers because they. They're in an interesting spot where right now they're leading the NFC West. The five, the 49ers are having problems. And I think Seattle really thinks they can go for it in an NFC conference that isn't looking overly strong. Well, you know, and on, on that note, regarding Seattle, they you, you were thinking, not just you, but just in general, people were thinking that there's going to be two or three teams that comes out of this division a few weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago at most, right? Now yeah. you're looking at it, it's like the Rams have collapsed, the Arizona Cardinals, they're just over with, and the 49ers, you thought they were something special, they're just not good right now. So if they keep losing anymore, their chances of making the playoffs are going to just dwindle down. And it's almost, this week coming up, week nine, is the tipping point to go into the next half of the season. And if you're Seattle, this you have a veteran quarterback in Geno Smith. They don't, they, they have some young players in defense, they maybe don't have what we would perceive as an, uh, like a, an elite, talented team, maybe a little bit like what the Eagles were last year. 
But I think the NFC is weak enough where if things break right, Seattle couldn't make a Super Bowl. Oh, I think so, too. That, that was my um, – between them and Detroit, those were my two teams that I said have the best chance to make the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. And, and I think if you're Seattle, this is them acknowledging that they have that opportunity and that they're willing to try to trade draft capital to do that. Next, we have Kevin Byard, who was a veteran safety from the Tennessee Titans. He was traded yep. to the East. This was, a, this was a good move for them. He's a veteran safety, maybe not what he was a few years ago. But for the Eagles, safety was a problem, and especially against the Chiefs in the playoffs last year in, in the Super Bowl. So th- this is getting a veteran safety who you think can improve your situation. That was kind of one of the weak points on their team. You just hope he can hold up and he's playing well going to the playoffs. But I don't. I don't think this is a bad move at all. You want to, you always want to add talent in the secondary. And lastly, we finish up with Razul Douglas, a uh, defensive back from the Green Bay Packers being traded to the Bills. This made all the sense in the world because the Bills, their secondary is having issues. They have injuries there with uh, Tredavious White. You have Abram Elam, or you have Elam, who they drafted in the first round last year. He can't get on the field. And if you think about where the Bills are, they're kind of in a win-now mode. This is coming into the season. I said this is a this is a do-or-die season for them. They're trying to add to the secondary and make it as strong as possible because they know they're going to have to play other good offenses. And that's the news of the week. Coming from week eight, um, some pretty uh, good headlines. Also, did you happen to see anything about Tyrod Taylor or anybody like that um, with his injury or, uh, or pick it out because, you know, you had – I mean, Matthew Stafford out. You had Tyrod Taylor out. You had Pickett out. Um, any, any, anything on that or no? So I, I haven't really seen anything as of now. I would assume Tyrod Taylor dealing with a rib injury that he's probably not going to play maybe in the next couple of weeks. It, it looked like a pretty serious rib injury. And with Kenny Pickett, he's been banged up quite a bit. And I, it, his injury, I believe, was to his throwing shoulder. It would not shock me if those two are done for quite a long time. Okay. Well, that does it for the uh... – news of the week for week eight let's get into the next segment and that's the best game of the week well my best game my favorite game of the week was between the seattle seahawks and the cleveland browns the seahawks defeated the browns 24 to 20 and what appeared to be just another slop fest of involving cleveland as it was last week so no surprise that i liked it last week with whoever they were playing either like with the colts where they were playing last week and this week against geno smith um both teams weren't great, but they did just enough to, to survive. Um, well, obviously, one more so than the other. Um, Geno Smith threw some picks. No, There was never any – real quick, Geno Smith won 23 for 37, 254 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. P.J. Walker on the Cleveland, Cleveland's quarterback, um, backing up Deshaun Watson, went 15 for 31, 248 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. P. Carroll, who was always animated on the sideline, um, Geno Smith threw a pick. And when he threw it, Pete Carroll went berserk, cussing out the ref and, um, you know, just being Pete Carroll. But there was never any any reasoning. I don't even think in, in, in the post-press conference to see why he did that. But um, just something I wanted to point out. But this game was, I thought, was pretty entertaining. Um, very close. Like I said, a slop fest. But it was um, actually enjoyable to watch, just like it was against um, the Colts last week. Um, the Cleveland Browns are 4-3 and three right now. They need to Sean Watson back. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are five and two. They're leading their division right now. That was my game of the week. Who do you got? Guess? Eagles uh, versus Commanders. I thought this was the most fun game of the week. It was back and forth, high scoring game. My main takeaway from this game is the Eagles' defense is still going to be a problem. That they, if they're not getting a consistent pass rush, 
their secondary is kind of weak, which is one, one of the reasons I think they traded for Kevin Byard to kind of help in the secondary. But this, this the main takeaway I have from this game is that the Eagles are going to probably be in a shootout. And they're going to they're gonna be, need to be locked in defensively because I, I don't think their defense is as good as it was last year. And I don't think their pass rush is as consistent. And if that's going to happen, that, that could spell trouble for them in the playoffs because Sam Howell went 32 of or 39 of 52. 397 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. He he really kind of lit into that defense, and that that would concern me, considering it was Washington and Eric Bieniemy is the offense coordinator, a, a scheme that seems to give the Eagles a lot of trouble. That that's something I I think Eagles have to really look into is how and what is this scheme doing to tear their defense apart. Well, in fairness, just you know, you and I have talked since week one, and obviously I've talked for about two years now, maybe two and a half years, um, regarding Ron Rivera being fired. This was their best game of the season, their best game in a long time um, offensively, and the defensive line. Now, maybe not the secondary, but the defensive line was all over Jalen Hurts. I mean, seriously, for the first three quarters, they destroyed him. Um, so kudos to... The, the defensive line for Washington, but their offense actually did good. And Eric Bieniemy actually looked like he was calling a play out there from what people say, because they say he's supposed to be a genius at, off, at, at offense. I've never seen it, but um, if he did do that, this was the best game of their, of their entire year this past week against the Eagles. You are an Eric Bieniemy hater. No, I'm, uh, I'm a, I'm a truther. You are a hater. Uh, overall though, I just, the, the biggest thing that stuck out to me was the, at least when it comes to Washington, Washington spent so much money on their defensive line that, yeah, it was it was effective and maybe for the first half or first two and a half quarters. But as we started to get later in the game, it became less effective. And I think with all the resources and money and even coaches they have on that roster, they have an underperforming defense. And it's why Ron Rivera is going to get fired. It is the only Washington is the only team that has been able to stop the tush push. And that was on the one, if I'm not mistaken. So congratulations to them for doing that. Well, and it makes sense why they do that. They they you pay Jonathan Allen, you pay Jerron Payne, they paid both of their defensive tackles, and they got great push. My issue with them comes down to I don't think Ron Rivera and Del Rio have put their guys in the best position to win. And I look at the amount of talent they have on their defense Correct. and how valuable other teams saw Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Why are you not getting that production out of them? And and to me, that that, that that's the biggest reason why Ron Rivera is going to be fired, is the defense giving up a lot of points. No, that's totally fair. Absolutely. Um, What's next? Five disappointments of the week. So my first disappointment of the week is Sean McVay and the St. Louis Rams lost to the Dallas Cowboys in a ugly game, 43-20. to 20. Matthew Stafford won 13 for 22, 162 yards, one touchdown, and one pick. Dak Prescott surprisingly did extremely well. Um, but considering the circumstances, that's what you get. He had 20, he went 25 for 31, 304 yards, four touchdowns and one pick. Um, Matthew Stafford left, I think right after the third quarter started, if I'm not mistaken. And he smashed his thumb, re-injured his thumb um, when he threw the ball and a smash into one of his, um, the opposing team's helmets. And he was favoring that thumb pretty heavily. He never came back in. They had, I think his name was Rippin or Rippian. And he just, it was horrible. He shit the bed bad. There was nothing exciting to watch about him. Uh, Matthew St- Stafford and the offense started to get the momentum to at least try to fight back. 
um, when it was 17 to 28, if I'm not mistaken. So they had a fighting chance still, but after he got injured, there was no offense left. Um, but Sean McVay, horrible. You have this is the reason why I say you have to start. You have to get these backup quarterbacks more reps. Whatever the rule is in the NFL, fuck the rule. It's about the organization. It's about the fans. You have got to remember, if somebody goes down, have a actual backup quarterback who's able and capable of producing with the football. But this is his worst game I've seen him coach in a very, very long time. That's my number one disappointment. Who do you got for well, number one? It, oh, it, go ahead, it, go ahead Jess. Before I get into my number one. Just getting into that a little bit. I think what we're seeing is that the Cowboys are – they're becoming the team we thought they – or at least I thought they could be headed into the season. They, they had that loss to San Francisco, and that was really bad. But the Arizona loss, I, while not great, they at the time were playing – Arizona was playing well, and we've seen teams have weird losses this season, so that bothers me less. The San Francisco loss was concerned. But how the Cowboys have rebounded is the most important thing because that's the thing that could have tanked their season. And I think we're starting to see them emerge as a power team in the NFC. My number one disappointment was the Chiefs coaching staff. And I say mm. that and I say that specifically on the offensive side. I think what we're seeing in some of the Chiefs things I've seen, at least opinions, are that the Chiefs don't need a, another receiver or that the coaching staff is definitely going to figure it out or that Chiefs fans are being, I don't know what the, I don't know what the phrase would be, like maybe greedy or just whiny and complaining in what regard about, Jess? about the receiving about the fact that the receiving core is not as good yes. and i think my issue with some of those takes are that the coaching staff take a guy like sky Moore. their use game mainly is an outside receiver and if you look at his profile he's kind of a smaller guy with good not great speed he profiles as a slot receiver and he's playing a lot of outside receiver and he's not really getting open like you can look at various different metrics and tell you if he's getting open or not. Just watching him, watching him play, it's clear that Mahomes doesn't have enough trust in him to throw him the ball that he's going to be in the right spot or that he's going to be open. And I think some of my issues with some of the Chiefs' discourse is that because Mahomes and Andy Reid made it work last year, they're definitely going to make it work this year. And I point to a couple things. That kind Can you of say that last part, please? Oh, I kind of point against a couple things that – People are saying when Mahomes and Reed are definitely going to figure it out. I do tend to think they'll figure it out because great quarterback and great coach. But you have Mahomes and Reed who figured it out last year with veteran receivers like Juju. MVS came on towards the end of the season. He's a streaky player, but he came on towards the end of the season. You had Travis Kelsey. And then Isaiah Pacheco in the running game really emerged late in the year. This year, the biggest problem is that you don't have a Juju. While I like Rasheed Rice, he's a rookie receiver and – that's a lot to put on a rookie receiver, especially a guy with a second-round pick. I think he's a nice player, but I feel like you're missing a Juju-type presence. And it's not even just necessarily Juju. It's a guy who can get seven to eight, seven to eight, nine targets a game and be someone that Mahomes puts a lot of faith into, uh, along with Travis Kelsey. And if you look at what's happening with the Chiefs, it's that Travis, Travis Kelsey's been a little bit banged up. Sky Moore's underperformed. Kadarius Tony's basically been non-existent. And MVS has underperformed. And if you look well, at that, into at the same time, Patrick Mahomes has underperformed as well. Yeah, and I, and I think some of it has to do with the, his receiving core. You just see if you watch that game against the Broncos, they it, it was clear that he didn't have a lot of trust in any of his receivers. The two receivers he trusts the most outside of Travis Kelsey are Rasheed Rice and Justin Watson. And Justin Watson was someone who you didn't think was going to play a ton along with Rasheed Rice. 
or along with Rasheed Rice. You didn't really think he was going to play a ton. If you look at kind of what the Chiefs are doing, I don't feel like they're putting some of their players in the best positions. And I feel like we are giving them a li- I know I know it's hard to go against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And my my beef really isn't even with Patrick Mahomes. It's more with Andy Reid and some of his just play calling and clock management and situational awareness, at mm-hmm. least in this individual season. But I I just really feel like they've kind of let Mahomes down. And them not adding another receiver, I really feel like is a big problem because I feel like this team is one receiver away, one good NFL receiver away from being a really top-tier offense and being a no-doubt one seed that could make the Super Bowl and win it again. Well, see, you, you have been being you have you have gotten upset for the past eight weeks when I've told you that the Chiefs' offense is not good, and you keep bringing up the fact that they're still that they were on a win streak. Nobody cares. They've barely well, escaped so many teams. On top of that, their offense has not been good, Jess. And I kept well, telling you that, and well, you kept refuting everything I said because you're a homer, and I understand that. But well, no, everything I, I, I've said about the, the, the Chiefs offense, excuse me, has been absolutely correct. Mahomes is 15 for eight. It's a two to almost a two to one ratio for him throwing a touchdown for a pick. He's got eight picks so far this season. Last year, uh, real quick, last year he had 12 total. He's at eight right now, and it's not even halfway past the season. You figure he, he's on he's on pace to throw about 24. Honestly. So- so my my thing with my my thing with that is trusting Andy Reid to be able to figure it out. But what I saw in that Denver game, well, I know they every year they have a couple games where they just it's like Andy Reid forgets how to coach the Colts. Exactly. In this game, the most concerning thing was kind of his game management, where they it was clear the offense was struggling, and they get the ball in position to score points, or they move the ball to the other side of the field, and his lack of aggressiveness really cost the Chiefs. Where well, they're I would also say. I would also um, argue that point that Mahomes was also too aggressive on an interception or two that he threw because he was frustrated, either because of him or somebody else. Sky Moore, you're absolutely correct. I mean, he should have caught the touchdown in the end zone. Then you had um, McCall Harbin, who I believe fumbled the ball. Um, there's a lot of mis- mis- there, It's not just Andy Reid. No, Andy Reid can, think- can give you the schematics to do what you have to do. It's whether or not these people can execute um, on this stage, and obviously they have not. And even if they've won six or seven games straight, and it does not matter, they have not performed well all season offensively, if you ask me. Defensively, they've been fine for the most part. Offensively, they've been garbage. And you have argued that point against me since week one. Well, my, my thing, though, is that it's still relatively early in the season and that they would figure it out. The, no, it's not, yes. My, my issue t- tends to be just – some of the it's not even really that they lost the game it, the the more concerning part is some of the tendencies they're showing the their lack of aggressiveness they're going to a lot of things like the shovel pass and just sweeps and stuff like that when it doesn't make sense like they're they're doing a lot of things that we've seen them do in the past but it's it, it's like it's turned up instead of being like a seven or an eight it's like a 12 now they're and being it, too cute yeah and it always they're always going to run some of those plays that people will say you're getting cute on but like typically i think it's like at a seven or an eight this time i feel like it was at an 11 or a 12 where they're really leaning on it at times to be a foundational piece of the offense not a complementary piece of the offense and when it comes to Kadarius tony and sky more i think they're the two biggest issues with the chiefs the chiefs expected them to be their t- in their top four pass catchers and they're not 
I would argue they've been some of their bottom pass catchers, and they're not really efficient with no, not. how they get snaps and get yards. And that, to me, is the biggest issue with this team, is that you don't trust them to be on the field and be productive. They are kind of out there just not really doing anything. They traded basically from McCole Hardman to do what Kadarius Tony's been doing, which has been primarily a gadget player, and him just having a lot of weird snaps and plays. And I feel like that in itself shows the lack of trust that the coaching staff has in some of the receivers. Where we saw Kadarius Tony in week one, he was running routes. Now he was dropping a lot of passes and he wasn't very productive, but he was running routes and getting open. I don't really think he's had a game where he's actually been a receiver. He's basically been a running back who is masquerading as a receiver since week one. Yes. And I think that falls on the coaching staff. No arguments here. Um, with the exception of, I think there's a lot more blame that Mahomes deserves. Um, yeah, I mean, but, but I hear you on everything else. I mean, you're exactly I, right on everything else. I, I feel like he's forced more throws than we're, t- we're typically going to see him because he's always going to be an aggressive quarterback. He's a gunslinger. Yes. But I feel like we've seen a lot more frustration throws from him or him having to hang on to the, having to hang on to the ball. On the first drive in this game, he had a play where he had the ball for seven or eight seconds and nobody got open. And that was kind of indicative of how the game went for the Chiefs, where Mahomes just he didn't seem like he had the trust to throw it to some of these guys. And that's that's something that's gonna have to improve. And the Chiefs not making a move shows they think those guys can improve. But this game was really concerning just from a it's not not from a I don't think they can win or they're not they're gonna make the playoff standpoint or something like that. It's just from a do they have the coaching staff and do they have the players and do they have the coaching staff to get enough out of the players? to win. And that to me is the biggest question. The receiving, this team is going to go as far as Sky Moore or Kadarius Tony improves and takes them. Oh, I, I mean, it's, it's the entire organization. It's the entire front office and the players on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I have nothing else to say on the chiefs because I've been right since week one and it actually <laughs> was on display this week. Um, my number two disappointment of the week is Arthur Smith with, from the, the coach of the Atlanta Falcons has proven he's a horrible decision maker and needs to be fired still. I've advocated for this since week one. Um, just, just ridiculous. The the uh, the uh, Tennessee Titans defeated the Atlanta Falcons in a very entertaining game, twenty eight to twenty three. Um, obviously, Ryan Tannehill did not start because he's out for the season. Um, but Desmond Ritter started this game. He went eight for twelve for seventy one yards. Horrible. Taylor Heineke got in the game. Went twelve for twenty one for one hundred and seventy five yards and a touchdown. As soon as he got in the game, the offense had their chest out. Shoulders up, they were playing harder, they were motivated. Um, but that didn't happen until the third quarter. It's being clear Taylor Heineke has needed to start for this organization. Jesse said that he would have started in week four from week one, he said, because of how Desmond Ritter is not consistent, he's not a good a good quarterback. Well, you know what? He he needed to start since week one. And well, I think it was pretty evident in this in this um in this um game. But real quick, Jess, let me just finish this real quick. Um hats off to Tennessee. This is on one of my surprises. But I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Will Levis, I don't even know what, what school he came from. I don't watch college football like that. He, went to um, he was a rookie quarterback that came out, that they got that they drafted this past season. He went 19 for 29, 238 yards, and four touchdowns. The man played amazing. And yet Atlanta was still able to fight to score. But if that would have happened, if, if Heineke would have been in the game in the first or second quarter, this whole game would have been different to me. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, so when it comes to when it comes to Ritter, I think there is a chance that if he gets traded to another team and with a different coach, he could still develop into a starting level quarterback. 
But on this team with this coach, it's it wasn't happening. And it's kind of clear, other than maybe a game or a game and a half, it's kind of clear it wasn't working. And the fact the fact it took him this long to move to Taylor Heineke is a really big warning sign for Arthur Smith. Because it was pretty obvious Heineke was better than Ritter. Whether and I think a lot of Ritter's problems have been because of Arthur Smith and him maybe not adapting his game to what Ritter does. Ritter to me is one of those guys who if he gets traded, I it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being a decent NFL quarterback. But it was clear Taylor Heineke's way more advanced and he was the best option for the team. I feel like the I last feel- I feel like this last month we've been talking about how they need to play Heineke, and they finally did, and he gave him a little bit of a spark. I mean, and people, people in the in fans of football, this is this is where we got the most listeners was regarding Taylor Heineke this past week on our podcast. You had thousands of people focusing on Taylor Heineke, well, that and Sam Howell, who was a trash quarterback. But other than that, people want to see Taylor Heineke play. At least that's what the numbers say to me. Um, Kyle Pitts is not being utilized the right way with Desmond Ritter. And probably just because Arthur Smith does not know how to use him offensively because his numbers aren't that great. Um, I don't think he's had over 100 yards in a game this season. He's had 44, 15, 41, 21, well, 87. That's the only good game he had against the Texans. 43, 47, and 35 this game. Three receptions for for 35 yards. He did drop a couple passes. They were in his hand, and he dropped them. That's on him. But still, the the proof is in the pudding regarding the coaching. and his, how do you say that, Jess? His um, his makeup. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say effectiveness. Yes, well, his effectiveness of coaching, but also his his inability to utilize Kyle Pitts, who's a really damn good tight end. Yeah, no, Kyle Pitts is a really good tight end, and I think some of the problems they've had is that whether it's a scheme issue, a coaching issue, or a Desmond Ritter issue, or a combination of all three of those things, they're not able to fully utilize Kyle Pitts. I think if Kyle Pitts was on about 10 other teams with good coaching staffs or just solid coaching staffs, he would be a star player in this league. Absolutely. Their their inability to find a way to use him and their quarterback's inability to get him the ball has been a massive problem. Drake London and Kyle Pitts is a really good combination. And I think with Taylor Heineke, they're going to be able to find something. And I think it could be the reason they make the playoffs if they do. What do you think about, um, do they start him? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so just real quick, let's give some more information about this. Desmond Ritter um, got knocked out of the game. He went through con- concussion protocol, and yet they still did not put him back in the game. Was that because... They want to protect him, or they're like, this is the chance to put Taylor Heineke in. So maybe they've concerned about him, or they had I, – I believe he was still on the sideline. I, I don't yes, know. Yes, he was. He, yeah, he was on the sideline. So that means he didn't 
That means he didn't have a concussion and that he cleared protocol, but they chose not to put him back in the game. So that would lead me to believe Taylor Heineke is going to be the quarterback for this team. Interesting. So going forward, that's what you think. Yeah, I think at this point you have to have Taylor Heineke as your team, on your team. And I feel like the Falcons are not in the position where they can play Desmond Ritter. Like this coaching staff has to make the playoffs if they want to keep it, if they want to keep their jobs. And yes. the if they have at that is Taylor Heineke. Well, and in their division, let's see where they rank at. They are, I believe, they're leading it. They're leading their division four and four. They cannot risk any more losses because the Saints had the exact same record as them. You don't know what Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers are going to do because they're three and four. Falcons are four and four. The Saints just won and they beat the Colts in a surprisingly entertaining game where Derek Carr actually showed up and didn't need a. Uh, he actually had a pulse. Um, and the Panthers won their first game this week. It's too risky to have Desmond Ritter come back and play and start this week. Is the, that the Falcons. The Falcons are a good enough team to make the playoffs. And because the division is bad, they're a good enough team to make the playoffs. And I don't think you can afford to ride this out with Ritter. I think what we're seeing is at best, he's maybe a average NFL starting quarterback. Well, you already know that's what Heineke is. Heineke is a more polished version of what Desmond Ritter, or at least what they hope Desmond Ritter could be. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I'm glad that he played. Um, you and I talked about that as soon as that happened that the offense completely changed and their chest poked out and stuff like that. And they played more with a pep in their step. But that's my uh, number two disappointment of the week. And that's Arthur Smith, who needs to be fired. Uh, who's your number two, Jess? So mine, we talked about a little bit earlier, it's the commander's defense. It's Ron Rivera. It's Jack Del Rio. It's kind of the ineffectiveness of that defense with a lot of premium picks and assets and money spent on that defense. I just, if you look at how many players they've paid, drafted, and the coaches they have on that staff, their defense should not be as bad as it is. And it feels like, it, to me, they're probably one of the more disappointing units in the entire NFL. I expected them at worst to be a league average defense, and they're not even close. They're a bottom five defense. But we, the, the, how do I say this? The defensive line is good. It's the secondary that we have a problem with, right? It's, it, it's the secondary that they have a problem with. But when you have as good of a pass rush as the commanders should have, it feels like they're not overly creative. It's not they're not over overly creative with how they use their defensive linemen, which in turn hurts the secondary because you gotta move guys around to try to get matchups and create problems for the offensive line. And then in the secondary, you've got to get creative with how you use your corners and your safeties. They just they their entire defensive scheme lacks creativeness and creativity. Okay, so I'm looking at Pro Football Focus right now, and it comes to say that the Washington Commanders' defensive line is number three in the NFL. That's pretty fucking good. They're getting pass rush. They're getting sacks. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. Their inability to hold up in the secondary, I think, is a coaching issue. I don't think, I don't think it's a talent issue because they have talent there, and they have guys that I think are good. I think it is purely a, a scheme issue or a coaching issue. Now, would you say that – I'm trying to think. The line – where do you fix that problem at? Do you I think you've got a problem with just Jack Del Rio as defensive coordinator, or do you fix it with the linebackers coach? Or, no, or, or, or I think you have to hire a completely new defensive staff. You got to get rid of Ron Rivera. You got to get rid of Jack Del Rio, and you got to get a new mind in there. I I would even say a team like take a team like Arizona that doesn't have a ton of talent on defense. I feel like their defense is way better than what Washington has, and they don't have nearly the pieces that Washington does. Yes, and that that's me right there is frustrating, and it's. It's not like I think the Eagles coach, or I mean, uh, the uh, the Cardinals coach, who was the former Eagles defense coordinator. It's not like I think he's the greatest mind in the world, but he just is willing to do different things. 
And I think what we see what Washington's doing is the teams know what they're going to do, which is why as much challenge as they have, if teams know what you're going to do, they can scheme around it. Okay. Well, um, that's your number two, correct? Yes. You know, I'm not going to argue with anything about firing um, Jack oh, yeah. or you're not a big runner. Go ahead. Oh, I said you're not a big rounders here guy. No, not uh, not at all. Um, especially, I mean, the memes that are coming out from. Remember when I told you in week 16 last week or last year that he's like, we had the playoffs on the line. We 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 were still able to win. He lost me, and you didn't start Taylor Heineke to even fucking win the game. Yeah. His- uh, his reign in in Washington has been so weird because it started out great with the playoff appearance and Alex Smith kind of getting that team to the playoffs but not being able to play because of calf injury. It, it started well, out pretty good, and then it just went steadily downhill since then. I mean, exactly. I mean, Alex Smith led them to a 7-3 and three record before he got hurt. And then they made the playoffs because of the record. And then he came back after his calf injury, won them the game to make the playoffs, Heineke, I believe, came back in again in both in both seasons. Um, we're oddly enough because he played for Ron Rivera in Carolina. Um, but it's you're exactly right. He's either been bailed out because of luck or situ or situation or circumstances. I don't know how you can he he's not even in the top 20 of head coaches. If I need to <laughs> if I if I get create an organization tomorrow. He's not on my list to, to fucking hire. I feel like he's been at times a liability just because his his decision making has just been really erratic. Yes. And it it feels it doesn't feel like he's coaching for his job and he's like trying to like, oh man, I need th- this is a season where I have to do everything I can to keep my job and be aggressive and do things and take chances. It feels like he's just kind of erratic with his decision making. Like sometimes they'll go for it, sometimes they won't. Sometimes they try to they try to be aggressive and get touchdowns. Sometimes they'll sell off imperial goals. Sometimes they'll pump up. It just, it just, I don't feel like there's any reasoning. It's just kind of, it, it's kind of playing it by, it's not really playing it by situation. It just feels like you're taking a dart and throwing it at something and seeing what the answer is if the dart hits the board or whatever. Exactly. And I just feel like a coach like Ron Rivera, who had his most success with Cam Newton, and that team where he was taking chances, going for it, and letting letting his talent take over, I feel like he didn't really learn a lesson from his 2015 Panthers run, where you let Cam Newton and that team be as aggressive as possible, and yeah, you lost Super Bowl, but you got all the way to Super Bowl. And yes. since then, like he's just not he's not really done that at all. Yeah, he's he's a very frustrating coach. I I can't honestly I can't wrap my head around it because the the things he does you use the use the great word liability. He is a huge liability to that to that team. People said it was the ownership. I think you can clearly see it was a mixture of both. And I think Magic Johnson is ready to uh, put that nail in the coffin for Ron Rivera as, as the head coach of their team. Now the question is, does Eric Bieniemy become the head coach or does somebody else? Because he has not done a good job offensively. I th- I would disagree with that. I think given the quarterback he has, he's done a pretty good job with that team. We back to differ. Sam Howell for the season has 13 touchdowns, eight picks, and he's thrown for he, he's on pace to throw for over 4,000 yards. It's not like he's having a great year, but he was he was a fifth round he's basically a fifth round rookie quarterback. Like there's only so much you can expect from that guy. Well, I mean, he's been sacked I think 50 times so far this year, and it's not even halfway yeah, through the season. I, I feel like that's mostly on Sam Howell. He doesn't really have good pocket presence. I've seen five or six times where he just will run into a sack. Like I, I think some of it is just on him because he doesn't really have great pocket presence. 
and he relies on trying to just run away from guys as opposed to actually stepping up in the pocket, moving around. And I, I think there's a difference because he is more of a, okay, pressure, I'm going to try to run no matter what, as opposed to some of these other quarterbacks like a Mahomes, a Allen, uh, it, even a guy like a Joe Burrow who's not overly mobile but will be able to kind of scramble around a little bit. There's functional mobility. There, there's being a runner, and then there's functional functional mobility. I don't think Sam Howell really has functional uh, functional mobility. He hasn't really developed that skill yet. He's just more of a runner right now. Well, um, in breaking news, as it's happening live, right now, the Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders have fired Josh McDaniels as their head coach. I'm really surprised by that. Wow. Yeah. With the firing yeah, of Josh McDaniels, we now know why Devontae Adams didn't demand a trade today. Pretty sure Mark Davis told him to just hang tight. Will things get better soon? That's the question. I am very shocked and very pleased because that was my number. Uh, what the hell is it? My number three disappointment um, of this past, of just the past few days, is Josh McDaniels and all season really. He's he's finally let he's finally gone. Now who do they put in charge? You can't put an interim coach who's not about uh, shit. The well, the Raiders don't have a chance to win. I, I can tell you who the interim coach is right now. It's former Giants linebacker, Super Bowl champion, uh, Antonio Pierce. Really? Yeah. That should give them a pep step. And I think, it, okay, to be honest with you, I think it's always a good thing when you have a strong player like that um, that can come in and be a coach who's actually relatable to the players, with the exception of Ron Rivera. But other than that, I think that's a good thing for the Raiders. I think that's what they need because nobody is – it doesn't really seem like people like McDaniels. And I think with Pierce, you at least – because he's a former player, he probably is going to have a little more likability than McDaniels, who just in general seems like an asshole. Absolutely. Well, I didn't think they would do it because he's what only in year two of like a six-year contract. When they hired McDaniels, they gave him a big contract because it was expected to kind of be a rebuild job. And they, after the instability they've had, especially with how John Gruden ended, you were going to hire a coach and you were just going to try to give him three or four years. And we're not even. We're, we're a year and a half into a six-year contract, and they said, get the fuck out of here. I mean, this is huge news. I'm so happy. I don't think – do you think this was Do you think this was what Mark Davis wanted to do? Because I don't think Mark Davis wanted to fire Josh McDaniels. But with how yeah, I bad – I think he did. Game, with how bad that Monday Night Football game went for the Raiders, and you have Adam Stone his helmet and just looking like he wants to choke and strangle Josh McDaniels, you had to do it. It felt like every player on that team wanted to just fight Josh McDaniels right after the game. Well, the thing is, what I can't understand is how the fuck did Josh McDaniels get a coaching job? How, how has he gotten a coaching job again and again and again? Is it because of the fucking Bill Belichick because, tree? No. His, his one claim to success in the NFL is being the offensive coordinator for Tom Brady. That's it. That's why he keeps getting these jobs. You know the fucked up part? The enemy, who I, I'm not a huge fan of yet, um, the enemy, who had to fucking take a backup job as a offensive offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders couldn't even get a starting a starting head coaching job in this league but you have a fucking guy like Josh McDaniels who has never been proven keeps getting these jobs repeatedly that doesn't make any sense Josh McDaniels best claim outside of having Tom Brady of his as his quarterback is that Matt Jones he made the playoffs with Matt Jones or he he got Matt Jones to play pretty well in his rookie year and they made the playoffs but that was also because Belichick had a good defense. Belichick had a good defense, and Mac Jones had a decent rookie year in which he was okay in the first half of it and then got progressively worse in the second half and then it ended in a, in a disaster in the playoffs. So that was his real claim to fame and why he got a head coaching job. It makes no sense. At least well, I mean, even yesterday, 
um, Devontae Adams was heard screaming at Josh McDaniels or somebody in the locker room, either Josh McDaniels or um, Jimmy Garoppolo. Could have been Monday both. Night. Huh? Could it could have honestly been both? Yes. Um, sources claim Adams, you ought to give me the ball, you dumb bitch. They can't guard me. He was he's right, and he actually he actually I don't know I can't find the quote, Jess. Maybe you know it. Um, earlier this week, this week he mentioned the fact that he came to to Las Vegas to play with Derek Carr, and he sounds like he really misses Derek Carr. I would have been okay if they traded Devontae Adams to New Orleans. I, I believe Devontae Adams is from at least the Vegas area. I, I think he's from the Vegas area, and Derek Carr was his quarterback in college. They're really tight. They're good friends. And he came to the Raiders for for those two specific reasons. And then they let go of Derek Carr, and they have somebody at head coach who is – he seems like he's terrible to work for. And it just seemed like it was a disaster from the beginning. I Yeah, I mean, seriously. It oh, just didn't – They just didn't fire their head coach. They fired their GM, too. Oh, uh, what's his name? Um, Dave Ziegler. Dave Ziegler, yes. Yeah, that makes sense because they basically I want to say Dave I want to say Dave Ziegler is a Patriots stooge too. So you hired Big Daniels, a Patriots a Patriots stooge, and you have his GM who is also a Patriots stooge. You got to get all of them the hell out of there. Get out of our company. Okay, so let me just read you this post from the Washington the, <laughs> the post from the Washington Post. Uh the New York Post, I'm sorry. Um, the Raiders are making major headline, major leadership changes in their organization. The team fired head coach Josh McDaniels and general manager David Ziegler in the early hours of Wednesday morning. Uh, you're exact. Uh, according to the NFL Insider, linebacker coach and ex-giant Antonio Pierce will become the team's interim coach, as you said, Jess. Las Vegas owner Mark Davis told select members of the Raiders organization on Tuesday of his plans to get rid of the of the two. Schefter reported McDaniels joined the Raiders last year and finished 6-11 and started three and five this season after losing on Monday night football to the Lions this week. That's the context of everything we know so far. Congratulations to Las Vegas. And I hope you guys turn your season around and become competitive because your players are too good. You guys deserve to be good and to be competitive with that head coach. You weren't going anywhere. Yeah. It just, it from the beginning always felt like, why did you hire Josh McDaniels? It, it just felt like the worst possible hire you could have made. And it ends in a disaster. I mean, it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You said he had a six-year contract? How much was that contract worth? Do you know? I don't know, but I believe it was a six-year – from what I was reading, I believe it was a six-year contract. That's insane. And he didn't – he he, didn't, he has done nothing to deserve that. And no, no. I mean, his one head coaching job, he also got fired, I believe, in his second season, and it was with the Denver Broncos. And it, it ended in a complete disaster because nobody liked him. Um, it just it, – it was clear this wasn't going to work, but the Raiders were the only people that thought it was going to work. It's one of those things to me when it comes to – I, I, oh, I couldn't hear you. 
Oh, it's one of those things to me with Josh McDaniels where it was obvious it wasn't going to work and it didn't work. And I feel like we, I feel like every, anyone who's watched the NFL knew Josh McDaniels probably wasn't going to be a good head coach because we've seen him not be a good head coach and really not seen him even be a good offense coordinator without having Tom Brady as his quarterback. Yes. And he goes to the Raiders and it's a complete disaster basically from day one. Well, I'm very happy and it makes me wonder, obviously, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has got to be the starting quarterback, but their backup, it makes me intrigued. If Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, who does the the interim coach go to and decide to choose? You know, you know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? If I'm saying that correctly? I think you have to play Aiden O'Connell at this point. I know technically the new guys coming in, it's not really the guy they drafted, but he is a rookie. What? I think he's a rookie fourth round quarterback. You got to play him. You're not going to have Jimmy on the team next year. Brian Hoyer's old as shit. You have to play in O'Connell. And if he's not good, fine. You're bad. You draft quarterback in the first round with your new management and new head coach. But you've got to at least play Aiden O'Connell and see if, he, if he's anything. I can, that's, a, that's a fair point. And where's he from? He, uh, he's from Purdue. He played at Purdue. Pretty good? Uh, yeah, he was pretty good in college. Now, not- Purdue to Purdue is a school that um, Drew Brees came from, correct? Uh, yes, that, was, that, is, that is the school that produced Drew, Drew Brees. Um, is he on the level of Drew Brees coming no. out of college? No. No, okay. I just had to ask. I don't watch college football, <laughs> yeah, was, but I, I wanted to inquire about that. He was he was a solid quarterback, not overly mobile, doesn't really have a great arm. I would say pretty smart, but he his one kind of start he played in, he got sacked a ton, and it looked like he didn't really know what he was doing. That's also having Josh McDaniels as your coach, though. I can see how that can fuck you up. But I think the smartest thing to do is to play Aiden O'Connell See if he's got anything, and then you let the next coaches or you you let the next coach and GM decide what to do with the team. But if you're looking at it, Garoppolo is not going to be on the team next year. Horry is not going to be on the team next year. At least play Aiden O'Connell and see if he has anything. The yes. worst case scenario, or I the worst case scenario is he sucks. The best case scenario is that he plays all right. And even if your next coach and GM don't want him, you could trade him. How does the offense change this week with the Raiders? I don't know who their offensive coordinator is, but my guess is it'll, it'll, it will pretty much stay the same from a scheme standpoint, but what will change is play calling. Well, I wish the best of luck to Devontae Adams, who is a tremendous wide receiver, um, who's a top five receiver in the league. There's no doubt about that. Um, and you could clearly see his frustration last night. Um, I didn't know anything about him yelling and calling um, either McDaniels or uh, Garoppolo a bitch um, until today. So that's that's interesting. But I wish them the best of luck. They deserve to have some good fortune coming their way. Um, and, you know, they are in Las Vegas, so cha-ching. Um, any more comments on the Raiders or no? Uh, overall, this was the best decision they could have made. They have had a lot of issues, and Josh McDaniels clearly wasn't the person to fix them. I told you, folks, we were live, baby. Um, I agree with you, Jess. And who's your number three disappointment of the week? It was the 49ers as a team. They have lost three in a row, and to me, the most concerning thing with them is that if they're not fully healthy, they're they're not a team that I would trust week in and week out. They didn't have Trent Williams. Chris McCaffrey was banged up. They didn't have Debo Samuel. That, to me, is a massive problem because they're, what the 49ers rely on is that we have more talent than basically every, every other team because we don't pay our quarterback, and we're able to use all these draft picks and all this money on guys. Uh, we're able to draft and develop. We're able to go out and free agency and pay guys. 
and we do it because we can get good quarterback play from paying Brock Purdy basically no money at all. And the problem is, we saw if they start losing guys, they have no ability basically to adjust. Now, maybe they're able to figure it out, but at least from what this stretch has shown me, is that they aren't going to be able to beat some of the top-tier teams if they at least don't have their top-tier team. If they don't have some of their top-tier players healthy, they're going to struggle against the good teams in the NFL. Yes. And I think um, some of the directly relates to Purdy. Purdy's great when he's throwing to Debo Samuel, when he's, when he's throwing to Brandon Ayuk, when he's throwing to George Kittle, when he has Christian McCaffrey fully healthy. He's great. But when a couple of those guys are banged up, when he doesn't have his offensive line fully healthy, he turns into a mess. And that's something you saw a little bit in college from him. And I think it kind of shows that, yeah, Purdy's got some limitations. And if those guys aren't fully healthy, they really rear their head in games versus quality opponents. Well, I mean, you've been saying that all year. You have not, not wavered on that point at all. Um, and, again, I don't know um, how he played, but I have never I, – I never saw him play in college. Um, but I well, did hear well, what that we've he, seen, What we've seen the last three weeks is how he played in college. Sometimes yeah, okay, that's, but it's yep. really erratic, and there are some bad turnovers in there. That's exactly what I was going to point out. I've heard nothing but that um, over the past um, several weeks that this the whole honeymoon stage with Brock Purdy um, was great, but he has um, shrunk down to the player he was in college. And what that means is he wasn't explosive. He was a, uh, a, um, a person who fought, but he wasn't explosive. He was greedy. Um, he wanted to overachieve, but didn't have the – capacity to do so if that makes any sense i don't know how accurate that is but that's what i've heard yeah no I, I that's probably the best way to describe it is he's he's a quarterback with a lot of starting experience uh he's competitive but he doesn't have a great arm he's not overly big he's got a little bit of mobility but not a ton and he has bad turnovers like there, there are times he just had terrible turnovers if you go on twitter or x now for which was formerly twitter if you go on, there's multiple highlight reels of him just having some of the worst turnovers in college you can see. And we're starting to see it rear his head in the NFL, where he's having bad turnovers, and when he doesn't have his full talent and uh, supporting cast, it becomes a little bit messy, and we start to see the bad turnovers and the limitations he has as a player. Well, I think some of the limitations on their offense are the same thing that the Chiefs have gone through themselves since week one. Um, he, has he has played better um, offensively, well, obviously offensively, but as a quarterback overall with his numbers compared to Mahomes, um, but that's not by much. They're almost about the same. You, you get the same ratio because um, it's 12, 12 to 5. 12 touchdowns yeah. to 5 interceptions. Mahomes is 15 touchdowns for 8 interceptions. So it's almost about the same. It averages about, about probably about the same ratio, but um, they've had the same, to me, the same offensive struggles uh, that the Chiefs have suffered from from week one, but only they, meaning Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan, um, have actually displayed that the past three weeks. Well, what, what I would say is just look at their supporting cast. Purdy, even, even without Trent Williams and Debo Samuel, they still have probably top 10, top 8 offensive talent in the NFL. And Mahomes is struggling because he's dealing with a lot of guys who are young and unproven. I just... The biggest issue for the 49ers is, just, is that they don't have a ton of talent at the quarterback position, and they rely heavily on the playmakers and the offensive line to carry that team. And what you see with the Chiefs is that it's basically they don't really have a ton of proven players, and Mahomes is kind of struggling building trust with some of these guys. So they, they do have similar problems in terms of their struggles, but 
I feel like the Chiefs is a little bit more fixable because their quarterback is just way more talented. And the 49ers are basically hoping and praying everyone's healthy going into the playoffs. Also, let me see. His completion percentage has been good all year. Um, just in this game, he had 365 yards, one touchdown, two picks. His quarterback rating was great, 94.2. Um, but it's there's a huge problem um, with this offense. You think it's just their defense because Nick Bosa and them have not um, actually seemed to show up for the past few weeks for whatever reason. Um, you've heard people say it's their defensive coordinator. That's, that's the biggest problem in that front office. But uh, there's pockets of trouble everywhere you look in this team. Fair? Yeah, I think, I think if you're the 49ers, if you look at their upcoming schedule and you look at some of the injuries they, they've had, if they're going to be missing guys for an extended amount of time and they lose some of these games, we're going to we're, we're like two or three weeks away from having to talk about them maybe being a wild card or even missing the playoffs. Now, that's jumping ahead quite a bit, but the Seattle looks like they're going to be a good team. They may not be an elite level team, but I think they're probably going to win 10, 11, 12 games. The 49ers are having some real problems right now, and if they can't get this turned around in the next three weeks, they're really going to be in a tough place in terms of seeding and even just making the playoffs. Well, Brock, Tur- Brock Purdy, according to Football Focus, is the number 10 um, quarterback ranked in the league, and he's ahead of Kirk Cousins and Trevor Lawrence. I don't know what that tells me um, because you have Zach Wilson just a, a I would just spots ahead I, of him. I would tell you that's because he has a good play caller in Kyle Shanahan, and he has a lot of talent on offense. But when you start to lose some of the talent and the play caller can't lean on the talent, you start to see an inconsistent quarterback. You start to see what he was in college. Which, which is a competitive but inconsistent and sometimes very turnover-prone quarterback. Okay, we'll see. And I, I've, I have never really paid attention to um, pro football focus, even though I look at the rankings when it's on, you know, a picture or anything or something like that. But looking at the direct rankings, just – so if Brock Purdy is the 10th-best quarterback in the league according to pro football focus, Josh Allen's number one. Two is number two. I think Sean McDermott's a problem. If you're talking about play callers, are we? Are, does this just go playing play off of numbers, or how does that go off of Jess? Well, I mean, it's a combination of things, but sometimes pro football focus grades, they can be a little bit arguable. Like, you, I think when it comes to PFF, they're ready, they're, the ability they have to grade quarterbacks is subjective. And I feel like with Josh Allen, if you've seen him play, he hasn't looked like the best quarterback in the NFL this year. I mean, if you just look, if you look at how he played against the Giants, uh, if, if you look at how he played against the Giants, the Jets, and just other games this year, I don't know how you can see him and think he's the best quarterback in the NFL or has played the best quarterback. Like I agree 100%. Uh, I, I know people are like, oh, well, the, there's formulas for PFF. But if you've just watched the games, he hasn't at all looked like the best quarterback in the NFL. Well, no, I mean, you have Sam Howell, who's number four, who's ranked number four, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's number five, Derek Carr, who's number six, Justin Fields, who's number seven, Zach Wilson, who's number eight, and Geno Smith, who's number nine. That doesn't make any sense. If you're looking with your eyes, none of this makes any sense. No, I think if you look at, if you really, if you look at just, I mean, you can point to three games where Josh Allen wasn't very good. And it's the Jets game, the Giants game, and then the Patriots game where he was just really erratic. And that's not really even including the Bucks game, which I thought he was kind of up and down into. Yep. The Jaguar, like, I feel like he's played really uneven. I I could argue, given that most of his guys have been healthy, he's played more uneven than Mahomes. Yes. And I think he has more talent. And it, it's just, that's why I think you can't always take PFF. They're good barometers, but you can't take them as gospel. Be, 
because the formulas they use are subjective, and I don't always think they're the best way to grade and judge quarterbacks. Okay, that's fair. And I didn't mean to get, I mean, I did not mean to get off of Brock Purdy and the 49ers, but I just seen that and I've never seen that before. And I've honestly have never paid attention to um pro football focus just straight up on, on their website, unless it's on a fucking uh, a meme or something like that or a actual picture post. But sorry about that, Jess. So I mean, were you done with the Brock the Brock Purdy and the 49ers? Yeah, we're we're done with the 49ers. Okay. Um and that was your number three? Yes. Okay. Um, well, I already you and I already talked about the Chiefs' offense, um, so that was um, number four. So I'll just go to my number five. Okay, and then you can just do you hit your four and five. Mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans played their worst game of the year. Absolutely horrible. Lackluster offense. Lackluster motivation. They did not play with anything um, that made me want to watch the game next week. I'll tell you that they did not play well at all. I was actually upset. I I called. The fact that the Panthers would win this game um, last week. I'm like, they're going to beat this team because um, Houston seems to like to play from behind. Um, almost how the Chiefs used to like to play, used, used to play back in the, several years ago. That's how Houston reminds me. That's, that's what Houston reminds me of. They love to play from behind, but it doesn't always work out that way in your favor. You're not, you're not always going to get the W that way. Um, well, and they had their biggest issue is that they don't have a ton of talent offensively. So it makes it hard to play from behind. The, the Houston Texans, I think their biggest issue is that they don't have a ton of talent at receiver or tight end. And that what they need to do, is, and it's going to be harder because they traded the first round pick to come back up and get Will Anderson, is that they're going to have to go out and probably spend a lot of cap space on acquiring veteran receivers that are better than what they have now. Well, I mean, just overall, quarterback to quarterback, little man Bryce Young outplayed C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud went for 16 for 24 for 140 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Bryce Young went 22 for 30, went 235 yards, and one touchdown. That'll do the job. Um, yeah. I, I... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think this was the best game we've seen from Bryce Young so far. He's been, for the most part, he's been kind of uneven or even bad. This was the best game we've seen from him. He he got sacked six, to- six times, but it felt like he started to kind of figure some things out, and we'll see if he can carry it over next week. Well, and Adam Thielen, um, hats off to you. You're an amazing player who's playing on a shitty team that is just playing lights out. Yeah, and, and he's been he's been one of the more surprising stories in the NFL because he kind of looked like he was done with Minnesota, and he's been good so far this year. Um, he was clearly Very the good. best option in this game. Like, yes. absolutely the best receiving option uh, of the two teams. And I think that's what we're going to see the Texans try to do is get a veteran receiver that can be a go-to guy for uh, C.J. Stroud next year. Well, and just to be fair, um, he had no, C.J. Stroud had no passing touchdowns or interceptions, but he did have one rushing touchdown. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, and I mean, if, if you look at it, you have Noah Brown, who was the, what, the fourth option for the Cowboys last year. He was their leading receiver, and then it's a bunch of guys who are young, unproven guys after that. Like, 
the Texans' biggest problem is that they just don't have a ton of talent at the receiver position and that they didn't really run the ball that well. So you're asking a lot out of C.J. Stroud with a limited receiving core. Yeah, but, th- I mean, they were 3-3 three and three hanging into this game, so and they, did say, something, they did something well enough. Yeah, you're, you're going to see something. You're going to see games like that for the Texans just because they're a young team, young coaching staff. I think their arrow is still pointed up, but it's obvious they just don't they don't have the weapons yet. And then with the Panthers, you just you want to see Bryce put together some games back to back to back. You want to see him string some decent performances together to give you confidence going into next year. And he looked like he was confident um, actually down the stretch of this game. His throws were um, pretty pronounced, very fluid, um, and just his whole demeanor seemed like, you know what, I got this. And that, that, that honestly, that's what, that oozed off the TV to me. And the biggest thing for the Panthers is you had Jonathan Mingo in this game, four catches for 62 yards. It's important to see how he develops because he's a young guy who I, who I believe they drafted in the second or third round. He's going to have to be a guy who does that for you. If you're going, he's got to be a guy. If you're going to take the next step next year, because they don't have a ton of picks and they, it's going to be hard for them to get good quality receivers. So you need a guy like Jonathan Mingo to keep progressing, and you need Bryce Young to continue to get better. I believe they have Adam Thielen under contract for next year. So you can start to see the Panthers put some things together, and it, it's really important some of their young pass catchers keep progressing. Well, I was actually surprised that nobody traded for him today. Adam Thielen? Yes. Yeah, considering, I mean, he's by far Bryce Young's best option, and you don't want to take that away from him. But the fact he's having such a great season, I could have seen the reasoning to trade him. Because they traded so much to get Bryce Young. If someone's going to throw you a third and fourth round pick for Adam Thielen, who is a veteran receiver, he is currently, he's 33 years old. You have to take the pick for that so that you can use that to get younger talent. So, yeah, it was a little bit surprising to me they didn't even try to trade him. I know you don't want to take away the weapon from Bryce Young. But if you're looking at long-term outlook, you know you're not going to be good this season. You, You take the pick and you reinvest that into adding more help to Bryce Young. Well, I mean, for the past five weeks, he's went um, 145 yards and a touchdown versus the Seahawks, 76 yards um, against the Vikings, 107 yards against the Lions and a touchdown, 115 yards against the Dolphins and a touchdown, and 72 yards this week against the Texans. So for the past five weeks, he's he's really bought out and and had a lot of targets to, uh, to him. Yeah, and and I, and I think what I think what you see is he's he's still a pretty good player. He's not maybe as explosive as he once was. But he is a reliable target for Bryce Young, and he's going to get that's a ton of- Okay, well, that's my number five. Who's your number four and five, Jess? So my number four, we talked about this already a little bit, so I won't keep it too long. It's Jimmy G. He was bad. He was really bad. He was mm-hmm. so bad that they fired Josh McDaniels. <laughs> and then my fifth was the Kirk Cousins injury. I mean, it's not like a disappointment in terms of a, a player or a coach or team underachieving. It's just a disappointment to see Kirk Cousins get hurt. Because I felt like he was about to put together a MVP candidate season. Absolutely. And, and with the Vikings, it really felt like their offense was hitting. A, it felt like the offense was hitting their stride and that they could have really been a surprise team in the NFC. Well, and I think they went, um, did they go 0-3 or 0-4? Is that right? Or 1-3 one and, one and or 1-3? One, uh, one I believe they were 1-4 they were and four and have won their last three games. Okay, well, they were on, they were on the verge of history. Because the only team to come back from a one and five deficit is the Kansas city chiefs who won 12 straight games out on beating the Texans in the playoffs. So um, if he had that, 
if he was gonna if Kirk Cousins was gonna be the player that he was becoming, um, and having that huge stretch that we anticipated him to have, playing the way he had been playing, there was no doubt he was in the MVP discussion. There's no doubt he may have been the MVP front runner if you actually look at the numbers. Yeah, and if you look at their schedule, it 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 felt like Kirk Cousins was about to go on a run, and really in the next month, surprise people by how well he was playing. It felt like yes. the Vikings figuring things out. And it, they're probably going to get back Justin Jefferson in a few weeks. So I just I felt like that was a really disappointing thing to see him get hurt. Well, I hope that Josh Dobbs steps up. Um, even though he probably he's not going to play this week, uh, but Josh Dobbs steps up and you know he can do something good with that with that team and try to save their season and get five more wins for that team. Well, what I'd say is the NFC isn't the deepest conference. That if Josh Dobbs comes in and plays well. There is the chance they still sneak in the playoffs. And I yes. don't obviously he's not Kirk Cousins, but I think that would be a good story for a guy like Josh Dobbs. Well, and what did I tell you? I mean, we already said it earlier the earlier in the show. Josh Dobbs has was a competitive out. They may have lost um, almost all their games for the Cardinals, Josh Dobbs at the Cardinals, but they were a competitive team. They, that, yeah, that's just how they played all year. He he played way, way better than anyone could have expected given the circumstances he was put in. Yes. Um, and that's your number five? Yeah, that was uh, Jimmy was my four, and then Kirk Cousins was my five. Who is your number uh, one surprise of the week? It was the Cowboys' offense. I think they're starting to figure it out, and I really think we're about to see the Cowboys start to make a push here to try to get the one seed in the NFC. I'm not going to touch that. I think that the Cowboys are still mediocre. I don't think that they're above and beyond any other team. I still think that there's no team above and beyond another team in the league yet, which is surprising, and we're about to hit the tipping point of, of – midseason this week um and i don't think that the cowboys are in any position or anywhere near that position you're a dak prescott hater and he's no i'm a dak prescott fan it's mike mccarthy who i don't like he might be going on a run here yeah uh, anyways who's your number two my number two surprise was the vikings as a team before kurt got hurt (laughs) the vikings i was really impressed with them this week and i felt like they were close to for me, it looked like they were finally taking that step forward as an offense and looking like they were going to be the best offense of the second half of the season. And then Kirk gets hurt. So they were my they were my second surprise up until Kirk Cousins getting hurt. Yeah, that's a that's a very good one. That's actually pretty funny. But um, God, uh, I, it's not Zay Flowers, but the rookie on um, Minnesota's team um, who has stepped up tremendous. Huh? Jordan Addison out of USC. Yes, the man, the dude is amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. He, he's an incredible player, and when they took him, it made all the sense in the world because he compliments Jordan or Justin Jefferson so well. That the dude is really, really good. Um, between um, him and um, Zay Flowers from Baltimore, um, those two guys and, and Puka Nakua, the rookies this year have really stepped up. I'm very, very glad to see that. Um, my number one surprise of the week was. Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans. Um, I already spoke on it earlier, but just to, just to say congratulations to Will Levis, who came in. Um, he played very, very well. Um, Derek Henry somehow still got 101 yards secretly. I'm pretty sure he's padding the stats. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins is that great. He is that good still. The maneuvers he was putting down on that field gives this chance with that quarter, with the, with the rookie quarterback, Will Levis, a chance to make a run and a push um, down the stretch as we're on the tipping point of midseason coming this week. Um, if they win the next few games, they definitely have a chance to stay in it and, and be competitive. Um, surprisingly, we didn't see DeAndre Hopkins get traded. 
He did have three touchdowns this week, uh, this this week um, against the Falcons for four receptions, 128 yards, which is, which is insane, averaging 32 um, yards a catch for three touchdowns. That's amazing. And he still didn't get traded. So I believe that Mike Grable and the organization believe that the Titans can be competitive um, heading to, uh, towards the, the latter half of the season. And the Titans didn't really trade anyone, I think, other than Kevin Byard. I think they want to give Will Levis a shot to see what he can do with his team because they, they got to figure out who their quarterback is going to be. So they took Will Levis in the second round in this last draft. I think they are going to try to give him a fair run to see if he can be their quarterback going into next year. And he came from the University of Kentucky. Yes. Okay, and so that's the Titans. Mike Vrabel and the Titans, congratulations on them. They may have found a guy um, to be the head of that team. Um, number My number two is Joe Burrow looked good, and Jamar Chase is is that great still. I mean, it's not even that great still, but he's just still so good. Um, Joe Burrow and them have, have put a, together a few wins, uh, several wins over the past few weeks. Um, they had a bye week last week. They looked strong. Um, the entire team played well, in my opinion. Joe Burrow went 20 for 32, 283 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. Joe Mixon. 16 carries for 87 yards, one touchdown. Jamar Chase, 10 receptions for 100 yards and one touchdown. But the catches he was making were very, very good. T. Higgins showed up, and he he always plays amazing. So um, that's it. They're becoming a stronger and stronger team. And I've told people for the past few years, this is how Joe Burrow and this organization play. They go down three or four games, they come back, and they come back strong. So don't ever doubt this team. As long as Joe Burrow is healthy and Jamar Chase is there and T. Higgins and the entire pieces are there in place, they're, they're going to be a tough out, and they're going to be the same team that you've seen for the past several years. Anything on that, or who's your number three? So they, yeah, they were actually my number three. And okay. just to add on to what you said, to me, their next game is against Buffalo. On Their next game is against Buffalo on Sunday Night Football. Or, yeah, on Sunday Night Football. This game is huge. Because they're right now they're four and three, and they have a their schedule is really tough in the second half. I don't want to say this is a must win because you're four and three right now, but you beat the Bills, you're five and three, and you you look good. This is a game you kind of have to win. So as well as they played because of the hole they dug themselves early, this game versus Buffalo is massively important, especially because of how tough their division is. They they were my third surprise because they really rebounded, but this next game versus Buffalo is huge and it's a game that i think they have to win oh i kind of agree more that that's going to be an epic game i can't wait to watch that my number three is we've already touched on this earlier but brock purdy and the san francisco 49ers are not who we thought they were or actually they're they are who exactly who you thought they were jess um i'm trying to see um they have a problem and i already said this earlier there's pockets all over that um that team that are that are problematic and they're becoming a bigger and bigger issue. I don't know if Chase Young can fix um, that defense as long as you know people are saying that the defensive coordinator is a problem instead of looking at the players. Um, that could be a problem in and of itself. So um, Kyle Shanahan was actually in the team meetings, which when Richard Sherman was there, Richard Sherman said, "Not in my entire time, my tenure in San Francisco, did Kyle Shanahan ever come into um, the." the defensive coaching room um, with the players at all, ever, not once. So that's telling about how bad that defense is playing right now. And if that's the case, if the defensive coordinator cannot figure this out, Kyle Shanahan is going to be the guy making defensive play calls. 
So that's going to be interesting to see where his mind's going to be after the entire rest of the season, if he can handle all of it. Yeah, and just to kind of summarize that, it's if you look at the 49ers roster from 1 to 52, it might be the best in the NFL. The problem is the 53rd guy is Brock Purdy, and it just happens to be the most important position in the NFL, which is quarterback, which is the reason I really felt like I could never trust that team. Now, you've said that since day one. Mm-hmm. Um, who's your next one, Jess? Who's number four? So it actually is Will Levis, who we talked about a little bit earlier. I was really shocked by this. I didn't really see this coming. Now, it's only one week, and we've seen quarterbacks have really strong first weeks and not been able to build off of it. But this was a good start for Will Levis, and I think it's one of the reasons why Tennessee maybe didn't try to trade more players is because they want to try to give Will Levis a shot. Because with the way their roster is constructed, they think they might be able to reopen their window if he's a guy. And to do that, you have to keep talent around him, which is why yes. I think they decided to hold on to some of the players is to give him a fair chance and really a, get a fair evaluation of him. If he continues to play like this, that means Tannehill's done. Oh, yeah, I think he's done anyways. I I think they're ready. To, the reason they drafted Will Levis is because they were ready to move off of him. Um, th- well, and Tannehill, is, Tannehill has become injury prone. Yeah, and at, at this point, even if Tannehill is healthy, if Levis is playing okay, they're going to go with Levis and they're just going to see what they have. At that point, if he's playing all right and Tannehill is healthy to go, uh, you have to just stick with Levis because it, it would be irresponsible not to see what this young guy has. Do we play Tennessee at all this this year? I don't believe so. Good. They always seem to be our kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with everything you said. My number four is the only player to give the Philadelphia Eagles any, any type of life, and that happens to be A.J. Brown. And just over the, the past few weeks, the, the man is a killer. He has caught balls like he's Tyreek Hill at a, at a elite level. He's been that great um, playing is A.J. Brown. Very, very happy the way he's played. Um, I, can't, I can't honestly say any more, but I'm going to look up his numbers right now just to tell you. Um, A.J. Brown, eight receptions, 130 yard, 30 yards, and two touchdowns. He's, if you just watch him, he's played some incredible football um, and clutch football. So he had eight receptions for 130 yards this week, two touchdowns. Last week, 10 receptions, 137. The week before that, seven receptions for 131 yards. Week before yeah, that. And, and basically, AJ, hold on, AJ, hold on, guys. The week before that, he had six receptions for 127 yards. The week before that, he had 107, uh, nine receptions for 175 yards and two touchdowns. The week before that, he had nine receptions for 131 yards. The, the dude has, this might be the offensive player of the year. AJ Brown is so good that the Titans fired their GM basically for trading him. Like that, that, that's basically, I mean, that's really probably the final reason as to why they came to the decision to fire their GM last year was because he traded A.J. Brown and he got a singular first round pick. They traded A.J. Imagine the Titans if they had had A.J. Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. I think we're talking well, about I think, a team. I think that Ryan Tannehill still would have been the problem. Yeah, I think he would have been the problem, but at least you would have had a young quarterback like Will Levis to take over the reins. And then you really might have an opportunity to be a, a team that could challenge in the AFC. Sure. And I think just their trading of A.J. Brown is going to be one of the more puzzling things as we look back in the next 10 years. Okay, so just just going down the list, for the past six games, he's had over 127 yards. 127 yards. That's just minimum over the past six games. That's ridiculous. And I feel like we've really seen Hurts rely on him this year. That I feel like if AJ Brown got hurt, I think it completely changes the Eagles' offense. 
he, along with Tyreek Hill, might be the two most valuable players in terms of skill position players in the NFL to go along with Travis Kelsey. I think those are probably the three most important receiving options in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. That dude, I mean, just watching him, you know, he's special. Watching him, you know, the way he plays and catches is special because it's so clutch. It's so dynamic. But looking at the numbers, I was even aware of the consistency of how dominant he's been um, by executing his catches. He's been this good. That is insane. But that's why he's my number four surprise. Who's your number four? Oh, my well, this would be my number five. My number five surprise is Seattle. I think the Seahawks are the Seahawks look like they are a couple wins away from really cementing their status as a contender in the NFC. I think right now you have the Eagles, you have the Lions. Right now, maybe the 49ers, if they can get it turned around, perhaps the Cowboys. And I think we're about to see Seattle cement themselves as a firm contender in the NFC. Well, um, I can't argue that. You know, I love Seattle. I love Pete Carroll. I'm a huge fan of Geno Smith. Um, I think you are too, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like Seattle is one of those teams that could surprise a lot of people and get to the Super Bowl this year. That It may not make a lot of sense, but I don't feel like any of those teams in the NFC, even, even with the Eagles being only a one-loss team, I feel like a team like Seattle that is going to just be kind of wacky with Pete Carroll, I feel like they'd be in a singular game, they could catch the Eagles off guard. Well, um, who do you think, um, okay, would you, would you say a fair comparison between Geno Smith and um, Jared Goff is fair? Because they both have been playing well, but they both make the same mistakes. Um, yeah, I think, wrong- I, th- I think those are two very comparable quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, they don't, I, don't, I don't think that Geno Smith plays as careless as Josh Allen does, nor is he as, as explosive as he is, but he certainly plays the same way to me as Jared Goff does. And that's just going by for what you have mentioned um, in weeks prior that he's going to play really well, but he's also going to make mistakes. Now, Josh Allen, who's going to play decently while well, you're, you know, above average is just going to put the game on the line and then risk the game at yeah. the worst moments. I would say more often than not, Goff and Geno Smith won't lose you a game. They may not win you a game. More often than not, they're not going to lose you a game. The problem with Josh Allen is he can win just about any game. He can also just lose you about any game. Absolutely. And I, I hate to go back to, to harp on Josh Allen, but um, I thought that I had to make that the comparison between him and Geno Smith. I mean, um, Jared Goff. So that's my number five. No? Is it my number five? No, you're, you're on number five. Okay, yeah, so um, my number five, we already spoke about it. The Washington Commanders had their best game of the season and a close loss to a struggling Philadelphia Eagles offense with the exception of A.J. Brown. Um, they are a team that I've been saying since week one. Um, the Eagles have had struggles, um, but the big struggles are coming from Washington offensively throughout the year and um, defensively in their secondary. You've already mentioned that earlier, so I'm not going to harp on any more than that. Um, your number one, I told you, so who is it? So this one for me is something we've been saying all season, which is I, and personally, I think Desmond Rear could still be a decent NFL quarterback, but right now Taylor Heineke is the, is the better, more polished version of what the Falcons were hoping Desmond Ritter could be. And they, and to me, they've waited a little bit too long. But at least it looks like they're going to give Heineke a shot now. That I told you, the my first I told you show is that Ritter is better than, or Heineke's better than Ritter. And this is finally the decision the or the Falcons should have gotten to, one that they probably could have went to about a month ago. Absolutely. I mean, and you said it. You said by week four they, they'd start him because of exactly what you've seen from Desmond Ritter. Excuse me. And look what happened. Um, they are four and four. But Desmond Ritter has also cost them several games. Not saying that Taylor Heineke is going to win them every game, but they're going to be a lot more competitive competitive and more explosive 
um, hitting down the stretch of the season. I would say that the um, the Falcons have an interesting schedule, um, and I think it's it's going to be pretty competitive heading down the stretch. So the next game they have is against uh, the Vikings, uh, depending on how and uh, of how Josh Dobbs plays. Um, I mean, I think that's a win if they start Taylor Heineke against the Vikings, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I just I just think when it comes to Desmond Ritter, he's on a in his situation, he's on kind of a bad team to be a developing quarterback because their division is so bad. The Falcons can get to the playoffs and win this division, and they don't really have time to wait on Ritter to develop and to see what he is. Heineke is a more polished version of what you think Ritter could be, so you go ahead and play Heineke, and you try making the playoffs, and I think Heineke gives them the best chance to win every game going forward. Well, every game. Well, I mean, he's their best chance in every game going forward. Okay, um... Well, obviously, my number one, I told you so, is going to be Taylor Heineke. I echo everything you've said. Uh, but looking at their schedule, you you said but didn't actually say it. Um, they have the best chance with Taylor Heineke going into every game. They may have the chance to win almost every game going forward. Jess, let me just give this to you real quick. They go against the Vikings. That's a winnable game. The next game after that is against the Cardinals. That's a very winnable game. The next game after that is against the Saints. Depending on how Derek Carr plays, that's a toss-up, right? Yes. They still have a fighting chance. Um, the, the next one after that is the Jets. The good thing about um, Taylor Heineke is he's very mobile. Just I think Desmond Ritter was too, but I think Taylor Heineke plays with more um, grit. So he's, he's willing to throw the ball and get rid of it and not take a sack. Um, so I think that puts him in a better position than if it, if it was Desmond Ritter. They go against the Bucks, depending on what type of Baker Mayfield you get. Um, I think that should be a, a very entertaining game. Then they go against the Panthers, a winnable game. They go against the Colts. That's a tough game. Then they go against the Bears, a winnable game. They can win and have a record of at least 10 or 11 wins. Yeah, no, they're going to have a chance. And it's one of the reasons why you, you go with Heineke is because you can't wait on Ritter to develop. Especially from what I've seen, at least from Ritter, is I don't think his ceiling is incredibly much. It's not incredibly higher than what Taylor Heineke uh, can be. So I think you go with Heineke, and I think he gives you the best chance to win these games. And if you're Atlanta, you're you're trying to win as many games as possible because you play a team like the Saints, you play a team like the Buccaneers, you need as many wins as you can, and Heineke gives you the best chance to win the, the games on your schedule. Now what happens if Arthur Smith starts doesn't matter this game against the Vikings? So I think it I think it makes a winnable game much closer. They could still win with Desmond Ritter. But we've seen Desmond Ritter have some really bad red zone turnovers, and he's cost them points. And you can't have that against a team like Minnesota that has a backup quarterback. You're playing, you're going to be playing at home against a team with a backup quarterback. You have to win that game. You, if you want to win the division, you can't lose the game at home versus a backup quarterback. Correct. Um, I guess that's it for uh, my number for our number one surprises. Who's your next one, Jess? So my second, I told you so, is the Texans' lack of weapons. I'm sorry, I this told you so. Yes, it was kind of harping on at the beginning of the season, which is. And the same thing a little bit with the Panthers. The Texans don't have a ton of weapons, and it's going to cap what you think the Texans could do. I think people saw the first three, four games and thought, man, the Texans might be a playoff team. And maybe they are able to sneak in late in the season, but the thing, if they don't, it's going to be because they don't have a ton of weapons. And that's not to say their quarterback isn't good. It's just that C.J. Stroud is going to have his moments, but he's he doesn't have the receiving core to compete with a lot of the better teams in the AFC. I, th I think that's fair. I mean, um, 
you and I had, had touched on, on that um, earlier and regarding them playing the uh, Carolina Panthers. Um, my number two is Taysom Hill with the Saints. God, the guy is so good. He's really, really good. When he needs to come in for clutch situations, the dude plays as hard as anybody else. Um, very, very underrated player. I don't know if he should be a starting quarterback, but guy, that, but boy, when they use him right, they use him right. Well, my issue, uh, and I, I think Texas Hill has been a surprise too. My issue is I feel like the Saints now use him better than Sean Payton did. I feel like, that, okay, Sean, yeah, that's a great point. I feel like with Sean Payton, he never fully understood how to use Taysom Hill, and sometimes he would shoehorn him in games. I feel like, at least with this Saints team, which I don't think their coaching staff is that great, but I feel like at least with Taysom Hill, they figured out how to use it. And they're using him, and they're, they are using him extremely well. Um, instead of just being a backup quarterback, and, you know, one, one or two rushes, he had uh, nine carries for 63 yards and two touchdowns, and he was a leading rusher. That's pretty fucking yeah. good. He can He can throw a pass or two. He comes in and can be a running back. He catches passes for them. I feel like he's way more valuable to them than he ever was with Sean Payton. Agreed. Because I think with the Sean, with Sean Payton being the coach, you had questions about who's going to be the, the quarterback. I don't think you have questions about him being the quarterback. I think you know this is not his position. This is what he does. He's a utility yeah. player. He he can come in and throw a couple passes, but he's not going to be your full-time quarterback. Exactly. He's as a running back, and you can also use him as a receiver. And I feel like they found the right balance with Taysom Hill. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, I would probably say that my number three, I'll, I'll let you have the next ones, the next two, but my number three, um, I told you so is Gardner Minshew is the best backup quarterback in the league with the exception of Taylor Heineke. It's just the mistakes that he's makes that he makes. They either are because he makes a bad throw or is because of horrible offensive, uh, um, horrible protection. Um, but he's a very consistent, good backup quarterback, and he continues to show it every week. Even if they, they lost 38 to 27 to the to the Saints, and it's only um, 11 points. This gap is, but it was a lot. It was a lot closer game than it than what the scorecard says. Yeah, no, um, I, I feel I I feel like Gardner has shown that he is he's probably better than what you what people thought he was at least going into free agency. He's more of a kind of fringe bottom tier starting quarterback than an actual backup quarterback. And I yes. think we've we've seen some decent play from him this year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he went 23 for 41 for 213 yards, two touchdowns, and one pick. That's still serviceable. That's better than Russell Wilson's been playing all year in most of his games, right? Uh, Yeah. I mean, if you look at Russ, his numbers are pretty good. He has 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. But there's a lot of games where he's throwing a lot of checkdowns, and he just, he's trying to not turn the ball over and get benched by Sean Payton. I know that's a different conversation, but... I think when people look at Russ's numbers, they're like, oh, man, look how well he's playing. He's playing, be he's playing better than a lot of other quarterbacks. But if you actually deep dive his numbers, he's not really taking some chances, and he's kind of a check-down merchant who's just trying not to turn the ball over. He's basically hanging on and grabbing on to his job. There's a reason why the Broncos record is what it is, and a lot of it is because, yes, Russ's numbers look good on paper, but when you actually watch him, he's, not, he's still not that good. Correct. Um, who's your number two, Jess? So my number three and four – or first, you, you, didn't, you, you, you didn't go for two or three. You just went number one for Taylor Heineke. No, I did Taylor Heineke and the Texans' lack of weapons. Oh, I'm sorry, yes, you did. I apologize. So my number three is the Browns' quarterback situation. It's a problem. Like I've been saying this and harping on this, that Deshaun Watson, who has mainly been bad since he's been the Browns' quarterback, and then P.J. Walker, who I don't think is a terrible backup, but you're asking him to be a starting quarterback on a team where he hasn't really – he's not been on the team that long. 
and it's a complete mess. I feel like they should have traded for Jacoby Brissett. I don't care what the I don't care what the cost is. You trade a draft pick, you get Jacoby Brissett back. He knows how to run the offense. He is a better player than PJ Walker. I just I don't really understand Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns thinking. They're putting a lot of faith in Deshaun Watson, who has largely been bad with his time in Cleveland. And I feel like the Browns are a team with a really good defense and a team that could make a run in the playoff, but their lack of movement at the quarterback position and their overwhelming faith in a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, who's largely been bad with them, really put them in a tough predicament. And I think what we're going to see as we get later in the season is that the Browns quarterback situation just continues to be a big, bigger and bigger problem as the season continues. And then my fourth, I told you so, is Herbert beats up on bad teams. He beat up on, he was great versus the Bears and Tyson Badgett. And you even heard Chris Collinsworth talking about, well, you know, they're only a couple games behind the Chiefs now, and maybe they can catch up with the Chiefs. They will not. Why? Because Herbert is a Herbert is a bad quarterback merchant. He beats up on all the bad quarterbacks. He's beaten up on a bunch of average teams, and people think he's good. And then when he plays the real teams, he stinks. Um, I mean, you can't argue with what he's done this, this year um, with exactly how you just said it. So, I mean, coming into the season, you and I both had him, I think, in our top five um, or top ten um, positions for quarterback rankings. He's not that. He's not that right now at all. Yeah, he's not in that top at, ten. If you look at his numbers, he's got 13 touchdowns, four interceptions on the season. So people would be looking at it as if, oh, well, has he really been that bad? He's, it's been the defense. It's been this. It's been that. If you look at their wins, they're not particularly great. Yes. And when they play, when they play good teams, he hasn't been able to win those games. Their wins are over a Vikings team in which they barely hung on, and the Vikings threw a pick at the goal line. They beat the Raiders, and then they have beaten they have beaten the Bears. It's a team that doesn't have a lot of great wins, and people are expecting more out of them because oh wow, they beat up on the Bears. Yeah, they play the Jets next week. That's a game you got to win. It's not like the Jets are a great team, but you know they're a pretty good defense. And you have the better quarterback, you should win that game. I agree. And that is a great segue for me for my number four. Um, I told you so. Um, and that's the New York Jets. They are a feel-good team. Anytime they win, you feel good because it gives you some type of hope that man, maybe they can do this. Maybe they can go to the playoffs and win. Maybe by the end of the season, and Aaron Rodgers throwing the football on the field, he's gonna come back and, and win them a playoff game. And then what? Oh God, I can't wait to see this. It gives you that type of hope. However, blindly that hope may be it gives you that type of hope because it is a feel-good moment if it's a feel-good team that you want to see succeed and all the pressure that zach wasn't has had on him this entire year it makes you want to root for him because he's an underdog and americans love underdogs that's my number four i told you so uh, my, number, my number five is that the bills are too inconsistent i know they beat the buccaneers but if you watch that game it was an encapsulation of the bills as a team they were up, but it never felt like they put the Bucks away. Then the Bucks came back in and really were only a couple plays away from having a chance to win that game. They literally threw a Hail Mary in which if Chris Godwin sees the ball quicker, they might win that game with a Hail Mary. And I feel like that game for the Bills is an encapsulation of what they are as a team. Where it's like they look good at times, but they're never quite as good as you think. And they're always one play away from a disaster. Couldn't agree more. And that's what all the turmoil in that in in the um in the locker room with Sean McDermott, Stephon Diggs, um, Josh Allen, um, their, their locker room just oozes toxicity because of their inconsistencies, um, especially at the quarterback play, because like you said earlier, he can win you a lot of games, but he'll put you in a position 
himself, him personally, to lose as many games as he wins. My number uh, – are, are you done on your point, Jess? Yes. My number five um, goes to almost the same thing you said about Josh Allen. I'm going to mirror that with the Baltimore Ravens and their quarterback. There's going to come a time where their quarterback or their team is going to show you and demonstrate to you they're not that good. They have been overhyped this entire year. Jesse said it last week. They're overhyped and overrated. Um, this win against the, the Arizona Cardinals, who I've consistently said, they're a tough outing because they're a tough team. Um, the only the only blowout margin of victory that they've had against a team was against Detroit, the, the, the Detroit Lions and the Houston Texans. Not one on uh, Houston Texans. They beat the Ravens with the backup quarterback, though. Or, I mean, yeah. The Ravens beat the Browns 28-3, but they were also playing their backup quarterback. Yes. So with the, with the exception of those two teams, because of that circumstance, I don't know what the hell happened with the Lions. I still don't understand what happened. Um, they're overrated. They're overhyped. Um, Lamar Jackson is going to put them in a position where he may actually be the best thing on that team, but everything else, everything else around him is going to show you that they're not that good with the exception of Zay Flyers. Odell Beckham, he can't catch a ball. He can't catch a touchdown. I don't remember when, when the last time he actually had a, had a touchdown. Um, that offensive line is not doing good to me. I see him going left to right instead of going around. It's going to cost, it's going to show eventually that they're not that great of a team. And this may be the week going into uh, with Seattle coming to their home where they're going to be on display where, where that offense isn't good. Lamar Jackson is the only thing they have, as they probably have had since he's been there. He's the only thing that they have. Yeah. I don't know, I if, think... I, I don't know if I eloquently said that, which I doubt it. But I, I try to put that as fair as I could. Yeah, the Ravens' real test is going to be against Seattle because I think I think they're probably a little bit better than Seattle, but Seattle's good enough to beat them. And this is a big game for the Ravens. If you're if you're going to be a real contender in the AFC, you got to beat a team like Seattle. I mean, I know they're in different conferences, but they're both teams that both have high expectations and expect to be in the playoffs. Th- this is a big game for them. And, and if you're the Ravens and you want to try to get the one seed, you win a game like this. Well, and there's probably people out there right now thinking – fans of both teams, this could be the Super Bowl. Well, if that's the case, you have got to step up if you're Lamar Jackson and um, the Baltimore Ravens. But the the Ravens' defense is really good, and that means that Geno Smith cannot make mistakes going going into this game. Or going into this game or playing the entire game, he cannot make any mistakes that's going to jeopardize him um, the win. Yeah, I, I think I think this game is going to be. I think I think not to get in fully into the preview, but this is a game where the Ravens have a chance to make a statement that they are going to be a true contender in the AFC and that they could get the one seed. If you're going to do that, you got to win games like this. I agree completely. Um. Well, I think that does it for my fifth. I told you so, and you already hit your fifth. So, what do we have next, Jess? You want to take the, take the lead from here? Best in the AFC, best in the NFC. Yes. So I'm going to go with my best team in the AFC. I'm going to go with at least the consistency of this team, and that is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their defense is among the best in the league. They have consistently had the highest um, rate of of takeaways in the league. Trevor Lawrence has played consistently well. It may not be the biggest win every week, but he can get the job done. Um, Sometimes their uh, offensive players, um, you know, don't make the catches. But I believe they just got somebody else. they traded for today. I don't remember who it was, but I think they added somebody to their offense. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. They added Ezra Cleveland and offensive guard from Cleveland, I believe. Which or should make from, their, I believe from Minnesota. Which should make their team stronger, correct? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're getting offensive line help is always important. Um, if you, if you look at the Jaguars, 
they're a team that is interesting because they're six and two right now, but it feels like they don't really have a signature win. I know they beat Buffalo, but depending on how you view, depending on how you view Buffalo as a team, I guess that would vary on if you think they have a signature win or not. Because I think a signature win would be over. I think a signature win would be over a team like the Chiefs or even the Bengals. Well, they lost that one already. So let me see who they're. Well, real quick, who do you have for your best in the AFC? Uh, I will stick with the Chiefs for one more week. I think this is a big week. They're going to play the Dolphins in Germany. I will stick with them for one more week, but for at least for this time, I'm going to keep the Chiefs as my best team in the AFC. And if the Jags win this week, then what? Well, I mean, if the Chiefs if the Chiefs beat the Dolphins, I think they've cemented their status. They've re-cemented their status as the best team in the AFC. Uh, if they don't, I'm open to, to having a Jacksonville, a Baltimore, or even a Cincinnati or Buffalo as my best team in the AFC. I don't see you putting Buffalo up there. That should be interesting. Okay. Um, what's next, Jess? Best in the NFC. I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. I still think they're the strongest team. Um, I think that they're a lot more complete than the 49ers. I think that offensively, even with the horrible loss and blow up by the Ravens, um, they can put together a huge offense. And I think that they're a lot more consistent offensive, defensively, special teams compared to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I, I Good have God. a in the season, I'm going. I'm going to go back to it. The Cowboys, the best team in the NFC. I have nothing to say to you. <laughs> What's next? Worse than the AFC. Oh man, the New England Patriots. Yep, that's mine as well. They stink. Yep. Well, that- I mean, they had a chance to beat the Dolphins this week. It's just Mac Jones is garbage. Yeah, you just can't trust that quarterback to consistently make plays. And I think they had their best receiver get hurt in Kendrick Bourne. That team just they they feel like they might lose five or six in a row. They we might look back at that Bills win and ask what the hell happened there, because <laughs> the Patriots only had three wins on the year. Uh, yeah, that's they had a chance to win and they just folded badly. Um, but yeah, we we match on that one. What's next? And worse than the NFC. This is tough. Um, I'm gonna go. With, I think the Giants are competitive, but going forward, I'm gonna have to go with the Giants. I think Danny DeVito's team. son, um, Mr. DeVito, the quarterback now. Um, in for Tyrod Taylor, um, didn't seem to have an offensive explosion in. Uh, I don't think he completed his, a pass. His debut this week. Yeah, huh? I don't think he. Com- I don't think he completed a pass. No. Yeah, I just. That's my worst. Yeah, the, the Giants just are a complete mess. Um, it, they're they're one of the more curious teams because, the ball did such a great job last year, but for as good of a job as he did last year, I feel like he's had as bad of a job this year. My worst team in the NFC is the Bears. I just that team. That team stinks. I mean, well, they're going to get Justin Fields back, and we'll see. Maybe they can get a win, but it just that team feels lifeless. I know they traded for Montez Sweat, but I just I to tell you how bad the Bears are. They traded for a player they could have signed in free agency. A team with a lot of cap, <laughs> a, a team with a lot of cap space could have just waited for the guy to become a free agent and then threw a bunch of money at him. But they are so bad they didn't think he would even sign with their team, so they traded an early second round pick. Just to get Montez wet and to franchise tag him and sign to a long-term extension. Well, that just tells you how things are going for the Bears. Pretty fucking bad. That's hilarious. What's next, Jess? We have our picks for this weekend's games. So we're gonna start with the Thursday night game. It's the it's the Titans and the Steelers. Uh, I the, the Titans the Titans at the Steelers. Pittsburgh is a two and a half point favorite. Two and a half points. I don't see how the hell that's possible. Is that just because of Trubisky's a, a veteran? I mean, I think yeah. I just. 
I don't I don't think Pickett's gonna play in this game. Um, I would assume it's just because, yeah, because Trubisky has more experience and that they think that Levis is probably going to have some turnovers. But I think the Titans are probably, I mean, if Will Levis just plays half as well as he did against the Falcons, they probably win this game. The, the only thing that worries me is his offensive line for the for the uh, Tennessee Titans. Yeah, um, you worry about, worry about them blocking T.J. Watt. Yes, and that's the thing because T.J. Watt is amazing. So that's just this is a toss-up game to me. But I'm going to go just because of quarterback play over the past week. I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans. I will also go with the Titans. I I think if they can get the ball out of Levis' hands quickly and kind of negate some of the pass rush, I think they're going to be able to move the ball in the Steelers. Next, we have the Dolphins versus Chiefs in Germany. The Chiefs are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This game's at 8.30 a.m. on the NFL Network. And this, this should be an interesting game. This is a matchup of two of the better teams in the AFC. This is a telling game. This is going to tell you if Mahomes can get and and be the true Superman he is on a foreign on a and on a foreign soil, I should say. And, I mean, uh, this is going to be a true neutral site game. Yes, and, and this will be interesting. Dolphins, and then with the Dolphins, this is going to tell you if they're a real contender or not. They, I feel like if we are going to take the Dolphins seriously as a contender, they have to win this game. Well, I think the Dolphins are going to win this game. For everything we've said earlier during this whole podcast, I think the Dolphins are going to win this game. Um, 38 to 12. I don't think Dolphins, Dolphins win this game because I think their defense stinks. I think Andy Reid's going to have some stuff cooked up. I think they win a thir- – I think Chiefs win 31 to 21. I, I, I disagree. Think- just just, just remember what you said that during this whole podcast. You said that they're being too cute on offense. They can't score. They can't do any of that. No matter how bad their defense is, if they can't score, they can't do shit. And I will, I'll tell you why I feel like the Chiefs are going to win this game is I feel like it's going to come down to pass rush. I think they're going to be able to get enough of a pass rush on Tua. I think the clock gets sped up. I think he has a couple turnovers, and I think that's really the difference in the game. I well, think they have, basically, one, they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. I Well, I mean, they have quite a few guys injured. You have Isaiah Wynn, who's injured. I believe Teron Armstead is injured. I think there's one of their – I think their center maybe is injured. They, they have some injuries coming into this game. I think the difference in this game is going to be the turnovers. I think the Chiefs had five turnovers last week. I think – they're able to flip the script and get two or three in this game, and I think that's the difference in why they win in this game. Well, I think Jalen Ramsey comes away with two picks um, in this game, and the Chiefs lose, like I said, 38-12. I don't think Jalen Ramsey's any good anymore. He looks washed. He got a touchdown last week. I, I just Jalen Ramsey, to me, is the ultimate. He looks washed, and I think he will be washed. How can you say he looks washed and he's only been back for about a week or two? Because I saw how he played last year. He looked bad. Yeah, but this, this week it looked good. Uh, versus a very shitty team. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You play to win those games and you try to play well, and he did. That's all that yeah, matters. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say you're back just because you were good against Matt Jones. Okay, so if he gets two picks during this game, then what? And, they, and the Chiefs lose. If he, if he gets two picks during this game, then he's had two good weeks. I don't oh, my think, God, you're a hater. I don't think – I mean, what I've seen from Jalen Ramsey is I don't think he's that good anymore. Our next okay. game, Seattle goes to Baltimore to play the Ravens. Ravens are, in a, are a five and a half point favorite. The Ravens are a five and a half point favorite. Yes. Wow. How? I feel like this is a game where I would, I would take Seattle at least to cover, and I, I think I would take them straight up to win in this game. I'm gonna go Seattle. I will go Seattle to win the game. I, I think at bare minimum, I think they cover in this game. I think this will be a close game. Our next yeah, game I'm... is the Cardinals going to Cleveland to play the Browns. Browns are an eight point favorite. I'm going to go with the Browns. Yeah, at this point, you don't really know who's going to be the Cardinals quarterback. Is Are they going to have Kyler play quarterback? Is it going to be Clayton Toon? 
I think even with a backup quarterback for Cleveland, I think they win this game. I just think they have more talent and they can just kind of out physical Arizona. Did Arizona get rid of anybody from their defense? I don't believe they did. Because their defense, their defensive line is actually really strong. Yeah, I think this will be a, this game is going to probably be closer than people think. It wouldn't shock me if Arizona covered in this game. Well, I mean, they, they sacked Lamar Jackson. The, the Ravens were supposed to have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, and Lamar Jackson still got sacked four times this past week. Yeah, and, and I think what you're going to see is, I mean, with Deshaun Watson's status kind of being up in the air, it's probably going to be P.J. Walker again. It would not stun me if we see this be a close game, but I just I think I trust the Browns a little bit more. I, I agree. And Miles, Miles Garrett, I think he's a huge factor in this game. He, um, if I were to guess, he's probably going to be the difference, whether it's a – whether it's two or three sacks or just a strip, a strip sack recovery, I feel like he's going to make the big play in this game. And then we go to, we we go to the Buccaneers going to Houston to play the Texans. The Texans are a two and a half point favorite in this game. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. I'm also going to go with the Buccaneers. I think they have a little bit. I think even though their offense has struggled a little bit, I think I trust their offensive pieces more than I do Texans. Well, I mean, and you you made me realize that because I have more faith in. Um, Chris Godwin and Mike, um, Evans. Mike Evans, because you you pointed out week after week that Houston has nobody. In the yeah, they're, they're very court. limited, and this feels like a game that Vita Vea could kind of beat up their offensive line. Right. Next game, we go to we we go to the Bears going to New Orleans to play the Saints. Saints are a seven and a half point favorite. We don't know who the quarterback is going to be for the Bears. I think the Saints win this game, but if Fields plays, this is going to be. I feel like this is going to be a. This might be a slugfest. I'm going to go with uh, the Saints, regardless of Fields plays. Yeah, I feel like if Fields plays, it could be a little bit of a slugfest, but I think the Saints are just the better team. Next, we have Minnesota going to Atlanta to play the Falcons. The Falcons are a five-point favorite. If Minnesota, I mean, if um, Atlanta plays Ritter, they lose this game. So if they have play, if they start Heineke, I'm going Heineke, Heineke wins against his former team. Um, other than that, I don't see the Vikings doing anything in this game, unless Desmond Ritter starts and he throws picks. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Falcons in this game just because I'm not. It looks like they're going to start Jaron Hall, who is a rookie quarterback at a BYU. They're going to give Dobbs a week to try to maybe learn the offense. Uh, I I go with I'll go with the Falcons, but if Ritter plays in this game, I do think we're going to talk about a one possession game late, no matter who plays quarterback for the Vikings. I think you have to play Heineke in this situation. I, I think with Heineke, he's shown just a he's going to protect the ball better than. Uh, does Miller can. Well, the thing with Heineke, too, is he throws the ball down the field. Yeah, I, I think this is a game where we could see Kyle Pitts kind of go off a little bit. Yep, that's a great point. Next game, the Los Angeles the Los Angeles Rams go to Green Bay to play the Packers. Packers are a three-point favorite. I don't think I understand. What? I think this is saying that maybe Stafford doesn't play because he's dealing with a little bit of an elbow injury right now. Oh, wow. Well, if Stafford plays, I think the Rams got it. Um, because I, I, the, the connection between Jordan Love and um, Christian Watson – Where's it at? This is that connection is non-existent. Christian Watson. I wish. I mean, I know we couldn't get him, Jess, but I would love to have him on the Chiefs. He's that great of a player. Yeah, his biggest thing is just been able to stay healthy. He's been dealing with some hamstring issues. So Sean McVay says Stafford has a UCL sprain in his right thumb. He is day to day. This line would lead me to believe they don't think Stafford. Vegas at least doesn't think Stafford is going to play. If that does happen. I will go with the Packers, and as of now, I'm going to, based off the information we have as, we're, as we are recording this, I'm going to go with the Packers to win. If if Matthew Stafford plays, I'm going with the Rams to win. If not, I'm going with the Packers. Our next game, 
is the Washington Commanders going to New England to play the Patriots? Patriots are, are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think this is basically telling you <laughs> they think Ron Rivera is about to get fired because if they lose this game, Ron Rivera is getting fired. They're going to leave his ass in New England. Well, that is hilarious. I can't – I mean, this is a garbage game. I don't even know who to pick because I want, I, I don't – honestly – the Patriots are so bad that the worst team in the AFC. I, I will go. I will go with Washington because I think their offensive players are better than what the Patriots have, and I think Howell's just a little bit better than Mac Jones. <sighs> I don't want to do it, but I'll say I'll say Washington. Because if Washington loses this game, they're gonna they're gonna fire Ron Rivera like immediately. Well, well just just look what we've done so far. I, um, before we go, just look what we've done so far. Just on the, on our picks, we've chosen almost every upset team. Do, do you 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 realize that right? Uh yeah, I mean we've we've chosen quite a few of the under. We went with the Seahawks. We went with the Browns. Well, the Browns are our, our favorite. Um, we went we, we went with the Bucks. We're going with the Commanders. There's a lot of upset teams that we've picked here. Um, I, I don't know that. Well, we went with the Titans. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of upset games that we picked. May we may have to bet on those. But uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, our next game is the Colts going to Carolina to play the Panthers. Indianapolis is a two and a half point favorite. I think I'm going to go with the Panthers here. You're kidding me. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Panthers here. <laughs> no, the Colts have way more weapons, and I trust Gardner Minshew more than I do Bryce Young. Yeah, the one thing I would say though is the Panthers, despite some of their flaws, they have a really good pass rush, and I think that will be able to get after Gardner Minshew a little bit. Oh God. Anyways, our next game: the New York Giants going to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. Raiders are a two and a half point favorite. Well, I hope the Raiders do win. Um, they may have some new life coming into this week um, and a whole change of morale going forward. So I wish the Raiders nothing but the but the best, and I wish them luck, and I hope they do win this week. I mean, this line would lead me to believe – I mean, maybe it hasn't updated yet because Joshua Daniels just got fired. Ah, oh God, I don't even know. I If Tyrod Taylor were healthy, I think I'd pick the Giants. I think – I think I'm going to go with the Raiders because their quarterback, the Giants quarterback did not complete a pass last week. So I think I'm going to go with the Giants, but I don't feel really confident about it. This game is. If they give the ball to Saquon Barkley and, and he's been performing extraordinary well for the past several weeks. If they give the ball to Saquon Barkley and he just holds it because I don't trust Josh Jacobs anymore, whatever the fuck happened, maybe it is Josh McDaniels who was the problem um, regarding Josh Jacobs and, and his inability to run the football, as you and I have praised him for doing so, um, so well in previous years. Unless that has changed with Josh Jacobs coming into this game that we don't know anything about, I may have to go with the biggest offensive player who can control the ball by himself, and that's Saquon Barkley for the Giants. The Giants may like have to be the one to win, win this game. If you like running – this might be the game for you. It wouldn't shock me if both of the teams just ran wildcat with their running backs. Yeah, just put Saquon Barkley back there, put Josh Jacobs back there, and just run forward. Well, who do you trust more, Josh Jacobs or Saquon or Saquon Barkley? Man, it's so tough because I, I don't. I mean, if Jimmy plays, I think the Raiders probably win. But I mean, after how after how Jimmy played last week, I don't. I you got to play Aiden O'Connell. Just but like I think Jimmy his base level is probably good enough to beat the. Giants. I don't think you do that. I don't think you do that. You have to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I just I I, I, that, think, I I think the Raiders win just because I think their quarterback is probably gonna be more confident confident than whoever the hell the Giants throw out there. Yep. yep. The, the the Giants are probably throwing either Daniel Jones, who's not fully healthy, or Danny DeVito at quarterback. <laughs> Our next game, the Cowboys going to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. Philadelphia is a minus three point favorite. I'm taking the Cowboys. Um, I may go with the Cowboys as well. I think that their um offense is 
a lot more consistent than the Eagles. Only thing is they don't have a big number one wide receiver um, like they do, like the Eagles do in A.J. Brown. C.D. Lamb's good, but, I mean, he had a, a good a good week this week. But other than that, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Fuck it. I'm going to go with the Eagles. You but can't stop the Eagles and A.J. Brown. Jalen Hurst has been good, but he's been banged up, and he's moved kind of slowly. He's moved very he's sloppy. And I, I just wonder if Michael Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and that defense can get enough pass rush on him to kind of hit him and throw him off his game. And I – if the Cowboys had Javon Diggs and he was healthy, I think this is a slam dunk to take the Cowboys. But I do worry about the Cowboys' defense a little bit, but I think they have enough of a pass rush to get after Hurts and kind of just get after him and frustrate him a little bit. So I will take the Cowboys, but I think this will probably be the best game of the week. I expect this no. to be back and forth and a lot of fun. I see the Seahawks um, and the Ravens being the best game of the week, to be honest with you. yeah, There's actually quite a few good games this week. There's basically, in every time slot, there's a good game. Dolphins, Chiefs, Seahawks, Ravens. Well, Titans, Titans, Steelers, too. I want to see how that plays out. Like, seriously. Cowboys, Eagles, and then moving to the Sunday night game is the Buffalo Bills going to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Bengals are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Okay, let me just say this. If the if the Bills win this game, no matter if the Chiefs win, they're the best team in football. We have to start if talking they, about the Bills as a contender again if they beat the if they beat the Bengals this week. Yes, but these are the type of games – that Joe Burrow can own you in. And he beat Buffalo in the playoffs last year, and it was ugly for Josh Allen and his team. So I'm going to go with the Bengals, but if, jo- if Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills can beat the Bengals decisively, and he plays well and not sloppy and does his Josh Allen shit that he always does, then the Bills are the best team. But if the Bengals win and they just do everything perfect as they do, then the Bengals are the best team in the AFC. I this is a game I'm kind of going back and forth on. I think the Bills win this game and I I think it's going to be close though. I, the reason I say the Bills win this game is I think we're going to see Josh Allen pull out his entire game his entire game. I think we're going to see him running in this game. I think we're going to see him take shots deep. So I feel like too. Yeah, I feel like we're going to see Josh Allen pull everything out. I don't think he's going to want to lose this game again. I think he pulls everything out and I think they squeak out a win. Uh, I don't I have not seen they may have been winning, but I have not seen confidence in Josh Allen's face at all since since Jacksonville. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna just go with the with the Bengals again. This is this is a, an important game. If you're if you're the Bills and you want to prove you're a real contender, you win this game. If you don't, I can't consider you as a real contender. Yeah, I'm with you. And then we go to our Monday Night Football game, which is the Los Angeles Chargers going to New York to play the Jets. Jets. I am gonna go with the Jets. This one is interesting because this is this is a game for Herbert. You're gonna play against a good defense. You're playing. You're playing a team that doesn't have a great quarterback. In that, hey, can you get to twenty? Can you get twenty four points? Because you'll probably win the game. This is a big game for Herbert. If you're going to be a playoff team, you got to win a game like this. I'm going to go with the Jets though because I do think they're going to force enough turnovers on Herbert to win this game. I'm with you. If you look at history, history would say that Herbert usually loses this game. Yep. And that I, that does it for this week's games and this week's picks. Right, there's going to be a lot of good games, like we like you just said, um, and a lot of telling games. Um, I'm hoping that honestly Baker Mayfield and Buffalo, I mean Baker Mayfield and uh, Tampa Bay can um, actually do good and win. Um, but this could be one of those games where the offense is lackluster, like it was several weeks ago. Um, I hope the Seahawks can win and beat the Ravens because if they beat the Ravens, you're just going to tell them that the Ravens have been overrated and overhyped the entire time. I think they will get their fair due with everybody saying that the that the Lions were no good and the Ravens were too good for the Lions because of that that. Uh, huge win that they had against him. 
Um, the Raiders, I hope to see do good. The Falcons, I hope they start they start Taylor Heineke. Um, otherwise, if not, fire Arthur Smith. But there's a lot of good telling games this week, and I sh- can't wait to to see their, the uh, the end result of all of them. Yeah, th- this is a, this is a really fun week. There's games that are good in basically every time slot. Um, I I think we're gonna start to see who who the real contenders are in both the AFC and NFC, and what some of the teams' flaws and what they got to fix going into the second half of the season. Well, I think this will be the week that it may just tell us that I've been saying all year that there has not been one team above and beyond everybody else, um, and I still feel that way. Um, but this is the week where something like that could could happen, where a a team can just show I'm them, and you guys can't fuck with us. So that should be interesting to see, you know, how everything plays out. Well, that about does it for us, Jess. Um, great show. Thanks for coming back, and um, everybody else, I hope you guys had a great Halloween. Jess, you have a good night. You too. Take care. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We will see you next week in November. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Referendum Podcast brought to you by Finn Flam Sports. We would like to invite you to like us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you can find somebody, we are there. TikTok, please like, subscribe, follow, whatever you can do to give us your support. We truly appreciate it. We hope to see you next time. You don't stop what's happening in the world today. You don't, you don't, you don't. We need to make a change one day. 